Hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to Your Aunties Could Never. This is episode 46. I'm Auntie AK and I'm here with... Your... <laughs> I'm not, Auntie I'm a... Clara. <laughs> Auntie Nana. And Auntie Sade. Do you know, I got a fear and thought, was I on mute that whole time? That's <laughs> <laughs> just a smooth intro. Um, hi. Uh, how are you guys? How are my ladies? Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. After that small technical issue, yeah, sorry, guys. a little bit sweaty, but I'm okay. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. It happens. So I think we we haven't had a technical glitch like this for a little while. So this is good. This is good. Um, how are you guys feeling? Look, we're one week into the removal of Trump. There's no more Trump presidency. We're now in the age of the Biden presidency. Uh, it's all very quiet and. Um, yeah. Well, how do you not feel? Um, this is the first week in a long time that I've not watched CNN. Because oh, wow. CNN was like my channel. I was watching it like it was E4 or um, BET. <laughs> <laughs> was just on constantly. My daughter was like to me, Mummy, you know, we've had this on all day. But um, yeah, it's okay. It's, it's interesting to me as well that Fox News... Uh, already started saying some bullshit and um is it time magazine they said about how biden had on a rolex watch during the inauguration so yeah are you you not supposed to wear rolexes that's what i mean like so what he's got a rolex watch on his wife bought it for him so what and even if he bought it for himself so what the man's like 90 (laughs) and the thing is that i think i saw something about that and they were saying that you know his rolex what trump's um oh god what was it whatever it was it amounted to 10 rolexes whatever trump gold did toilet. no it wasn't the gold toilet it was something that he'd done paid for anything whatever the case is whatever he'd done was worth 10 of um, biden's rolexes and what you know? and at least biden pays his taxes well they exactly there's a lot of things that's going to happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I'm a bit, I'm a bit, not, not obviously, I'm glad it didn't happen. But like, obviously nothing, nothing at all happened <laughs> at all. <laughs> so, so all that, um, you know, all that uh, pent up like kind of like fear and stuff was for nothing. Basically. What, did, what did you guys think of the inauguration itself? I know we, we kind of watched it together, really, but not watched it together. Yeah. together. But um, mm. or any highlights? Um, <laughs> well, low lights is definitely J-Lo 100% yeah. Yeah, definitely I think J-Lo. we all said at the same time we were like oh my gosh what is that why would you get J-Lo and like what is she doing yeah. that that note that she held <laughs> but then went to a different yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why? and then she only came to laugh when she started speaking in Spanish yeah, I, and that that was definitely a bat signal to her fellow, always <laughs> fellow Latinas and Latinos. Like you know, it's our time. Right? That was a bat signal. Do we even know what she said? In it, <laughs> I mean, we can find out what she said. Well, apparently, <laughs> no, apparently, um, she went because I because I, I don't know J Lo's music, but rather what the stuff she did in the nineties, but um, or the two, early two thousands. Um, 
apparently it was like a remix she remixed in her own tunes. Yeah. Yeah. Proud, loud, loud and proud or something. I think that's like universe. Yeah, I don't even know that. So, and I always say, I've always maintained J-Lo is at her vocally strongest (laughs) when she sings in her native language. So that's maybe, maybe that's because we don't understand her. Maybe if we spoke Spanish, we'd be like, no, she's still shit. No, but you can hear her. You can hear her tone. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. her, her rhyming pattern might be dead. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She just yeah. averaged at everything, isn't she? But the she thing, to be honest, in in well, it, to, it, I don't think there's ever going to be an inauguration that compares to um, Obama's because. I think Auntie Shada, you shared the clip of Beyonce singing. Yeah. But the fact that he had Beyonce, he had Ms. Auntie Queen of All's Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. Yeah. And then you have Stevie Wonder. Wonder. Yeah. Like yeah. how blackity black and soulful <laughs> and eventful. Like, and then you've got Samuel L. Jackson, the coolest motherfucker on the planet, in the background. You've got all these people like Mary J. Blige. I hadn't finished my roll call, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, line up. It was just so blayek, and but when I say black, it was also soulful and eventful, and he wanted to hear talent, though. It was actual talent, <laughs> yeah. yeah, undisputed talent, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think th- everyone, when J Lo was singing, was like this. What about Gaga? She did the most. She was all right. She was, she was okay. okay. She was okay. I think Gaga did a good job, but then when you put J Lo in there, it was like this is weak. Yeah, this this was a weak setup. Like I really feel. I, I was trying to think of who else they could have had, and I kept on thinking of anybody. Hmm? Okay. I feel like a man, like maybe even um, Martin. Ricky Martin, uh, Ma- Michael Bolton. No, 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 no. That would have been Springsteen. No, 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 no. You're up to something there. Right, I suppose they some blood. It's not appealing to all audience. Do you know what I mean? Like, kind of. They got Jay from no, so but also like I feel they got J Lo because she she's marketed to Latinas, um, whites and blacks. Do you know no, what I mean? Ariana Grande. Yeah, that's what they said. That's who he needed then. He needed yeah. Ariana Grande because at least she can ah, see. That's who he should have yeah. got. Ariana Grande onto yeah, something. That's who he should have yeah. got. She yeah. would have killed it. She yeah. Thing. And then and yeah. then you can be like, you know what? Actually, vocally, she's great as well. Yeah. yeah. I just felt like. Are you yeah. being serious? Like you've like the last time you guys put Beyonce, and then now you have J Lo. Like that's boot who, did, who did Trump have at his? Chris oh, Michelle from EastEnders, no? What? From EastEnders? Who? I Barry from EastEnders before it was so random, but he <laughs> <laughs> all I know is Chris at Michelle. Chris <laughs> Michelle before. Did you perform at the inauguration or the party, the after party? No, <laughs> let me find it. Uh, wow. I don't know, but yeah, Jayno, it was interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, moving on. Oh, actually, let's we got some colors. Hello, everybody, and take it away, Auntie Shadi. Uh, yeah, hi guys. Sister in A. I don't know if that's Antoinette. Is that Antoinette? Um, uh, good evening, um, aunties. I left work so early, so no one could see could sneak in a last minute meeting. Um, and for the first time in ages, I'm watching from home. Hey! Yay! Yay! 
And Ronald says, Jennifer Lopez's native language is English. She was born in New York. (laughs) (laughs) The ignorance is strong today. (laughs) You don't know if her parents, I don't know if we don't know if her parents spoke to her in English as her first language. You you don't know. Does she, is she, um, uh, was it Hilaria? Hilaria. So she, Affects no, me. she's she's Latino. No, she I know that. I'm saying I'm, I'm more meant is she adopting a bit of a when she says I'm through and she does a little bit. Of no, a... I don't think so because I we think if you go up to the Spanish as well, I mean, listen to Cardi B. They yeah, have yeah. like they got a little. Yeah, I know the twang. twang. She yes. wasn't affecting the twang. I know she's actually indigenously in her her heritage is true, but is she not affecting it for exotic furthering in the exoticness of her beauty and stature and her reputation? Nah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Like, speaks. That would be like, you know, <laughs> me as a Nigerian, like going into like, do you know what I mean? Like broken English every now and again. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. it's that's my culture, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, snap. Me too. When I put on, when I do my grenade, yeah. yeah, me too. There's certain things that I'm just gonna say. How I'm gonna say them? Yeah, interesting. <laughs> All right, guys, who are we welcoming to the family? Okay, so we are welcoming welcoming in. <laughs> The first U.S. Uh, youth poet laureate, hope I'm saying that right, Amanda Gorman, um, who performed her poem "The Hill We Climb" at the presidential inauguration, which we just spoke about, and she's only 22 years old, so she's a baby. Do you know what I mean? And she just done. She just gave her performance with so much, you know, professionalism and poise and. Vim, like it was just pretty amazing. Do you know what I mean? That this girl is like so young and so talented. And um, one of the lines from her poem, which I really liked, was that um, it said, she said, We learned that quiet isn't always peace and that the norms and notions of what just is isn't always justice. And I thought that was pretty powerful stuff. Um, and I was just really just, you know, do you know what I mean? Like su- such an inspiration to young people that they can, you know, because I feel like her poem was like very her, do you know what I mean? That she can be who she is on this platform, you know, kind of like speaking to the world essentially. Do you know what I mean? I thought, what inspiration. So yeah, I'm welcoming her, her as a baby niece into the family. Welcome, welcome, Okay, let's get into what have you heard? And I'm again, I guess I don't know why I'm going first. I went first last week. Um, I'll pick somebody else. What have you heard, Auntie Nana? Oh, good. <laughs> why wouldn't you just go in the order? I don't know. Why <laughs> <laughs> just throwing things off? I know. Because <laughs> I, 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 I felt weird of arts myself again. That's all. Sorry, my bad. Now, now I actually like. Oh, well, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. I'll go. Yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to throw a spanner in the work some drama. Um, okay, so my what I have heard is um, that they're freezing uni tuition fees for a year, and um, at the maximum of nine thousand two hundred fifty uh, pounds for the next academic year. So the da- Department of Education said a longer term decision on cuts to fees will be delayed because they're, apparently they're going to cut the fees. Um, I don't know. On, I don't even uh, to be honest. I picked up this story because all I wanted to say is fuck fees for the next like maybe year or two, fuck fees. And because I don't think uni students are getting the best out of their universities from being forced to stay in halls, being told to leave, told to come back, 
the way they're learning online and university is different from school and all that stuff. Obviously you're paying to get a service that's not fully um, being fully executed. And I'm looking at my way my daughter's had to study and things have been remixed. And I understand it's difficult for lecturers and stuff to adjust to the new normal, but I just think it's been a shit show. And I just think for once in their lives, can't they just do the good thing and just cut fees, just give everybody grants and, um, or if they can't afford grants, then stop the fees. At least then you won't need to give people grants essentially. And then look at how they, you know, Look at more like the well-being of their students rather than, oh, we're going to do this mag- this grand thing of freezing them for a year. Let's not have them. Freezing is boring. Uh, not boring. It's dry. It's not, it's not a solution to the problem. And I just want to know what you thought. because there's, there's lots of faff and stuff about it. But the general thing is, what do you think about tuition fees in this time of COVID and lockdown? And should students even be paying fees at this point? Auntie Nana. No, they really shouldn't be paying like this. I, I think even like the standard of university in this country anyway isn't that great for how much you pay for your education and let alone you're not having the full uni experience. It wasn't so long ago. It's like basically when I turned 18 was when they stopped, like it was when you had to pay to go to university. So it wasn't that long ago that actually the government was funding university places. There was less places, but you were still funding it. And at this point in time, everybody should just be like, you know, you you have to take this hit as a government. It's like they shouldn't be paying anything. I absolutely would be like, I'm not paying my grand to be Zoom taught stuff. That doesn't even make sense. That's not a part of the uni experience. So it should just be frozen. Nobody should be paying. Already Boris is talking about this lost generation, like we may have a lost generation of children because they're being homeschooled. So if you think that, then why are you still taking money from people? Like, it doesn't really make much sense and they absolutely shouldn't be paying. So, I agree with you. Basically, they're not going in to see their tutors. They're not getting all of that experience. They're not having the university experience. They're not being taught in the same way. So to ask them to pay any, well, to ask them to pay nine grand or whatever it was, was it what was how much was it before? It was nine grand and then they put it up, didn't they? Went up to a ridiculous amount. But to ask them to pay that particular fee for the service that they're getting now is ridiculous. However, I do know that a lot of universities are funded from fees. So whilst I don't think that they should pay right now, I don't I do think that they should there should be a fee at some point. Like when people can go back, let's hope we can go back into the real world, there should be a fee for it, but it definitely shouldn't be. I think when I went to uni I paid three grand a year. That's what I remember in my head. It was about three grand a yeah. Three grand a year is what I paid. Um so yeah, I don't know. I just I just think that but it's not just universities, it's any type of thing at the moment. I feel like as I'm homeschooling my child, I should get some money for that. That's yeah. what I think. No, I'm not even joking. It's hard work <laughs> to try to homeschool and then work and then do everything on top of that. I should get some money from that. The government, what they're paying the teachers, <laughs> I love teachers out there just saying, my sister's a teacher, but um, it's hard work. Maybe we should get something as well to help. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Yeah, I agree with all of that, really. I think um, definitely should be um there should be some sort of um what do you call it uh bump to i don't even know what it's called now but like child credit or whatever it's called kind of thing so uh, family tax credits or something like that so anyone homeschooling they should get 
some something through that system, I think. Um, and I think, uh, uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't think that people should be paying. There should be a fee freeze, to be honest. You know what I mean? Like they should have, they, they should have fr- froze the fees. And, and I think that, that, yeah, the people who were studying last year, so maybe the end of their term and the beginning of the new term, do you know what I mean? They should get some sort of like percentage discount. Do you know what I mean? Because it is, you know, essentially it's either online learning, do you know what I mean? Like, or you're not having classes at all. So you're going to have to repeat or, do you know what I mean? Like take longer than you expected kind of thing, which has all sorts of costs associated. I think that also like students that have been kind of, were kind of tricked into going to university and renting properties, especially if you're in the second year, third year, do you know what I mean? They should be able to get out of those contracts to do you know what I mean um those housing contracts they should they shouldn't be expected to stay um given where the the country is and I think like for teachers and lecturers that there should be a special um what do you call it a special kind of um allocation a furlough allocation for them do you know what I mean so if the universities are relying on fees to pay staff I think that they should have a special kind of situation for them to cover their their costs if they're not working do you know what I mean or not relying on that because it's just not fair and it's like you know I feel like millennials they get a hard time anyway so I can't imagine what this section of that generation is going to happen to them do you know what I mean so I, I feel like give them a break this the whole situation isn't fair you know if you're working you can, you can, um, there's a solution for that. And it doesn't seem to be a proper solution for students at the moment. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Let's go yeah. to the comments. Um, okay, so uh, I have to flip between two screens, sorry. Um, so, Charlene says, to think I was gonna, I was going to go back to uni and self-fund. Right. And also says that she told her daughter to look for an apprenticeship. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised there. Uh, Akoya says, hi, ladies, looking hot to trot. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, Antoinette says, um, open university is not 9K, so why would they ask students to pay for a service that they are not receiving and could receive um, at a third of the price through open university? Mm-hmm. And Nicholas says, hi. Hi, Nicholas. Hi. Um, exactly, <laughs> and it is about you know, this whole conversation about apprenticeships and not feeling like you have to go to uni. And I, I don't want to discount the uni experience. It's, it's, it's been valuable to a lot of people. But um, there is there are other ways and there are other ways and not paying so much money. So, yeah, I just think students need to be given a, a better deal. And definitely something about supporting parents at home as well, because you're literally, as you said, Auntie Farah, you're teachers now and untrained teachers at that. If you're, you know, if that's not your background. And you've got to do it. And then I've, I'm speaking to a lot of, I mean, I'm speaking for you two, Auntie Nana and Auntie Farah, and other people that I speak to are trying to manage their day jobs, plus young children and plus schooling. What the hell is that? And it's a lot. And I mean, young children we're talking about, but also when I'm, you know, trying to help my daughter through like a nursing course, what the hell do I know? And if she can't, they don't, they don't have the same access, one-to-one access to their, you know, their lecturers. And if you need, like, there's a lot of stress I can see that my daughter's going through because 
once that Zoom call lecture is over, there's not a thing where I can go and speak to my teacher. I don't even know what her lecturers are doing in regards to having those one-to-one time, but I haven't seen a one-to-one session with, that my daughter's had with her lecturer and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, the, the, I know the thing is, I, I don't want to be like, oh, it's so easy, just sort it out. I understand there's lots of pr- protocol to go through, but I just think we faff about, the government faffs about too much on something that could be an easy common sense solution. If everything was stopped and then no one had to pay anything, the world will not fall because money is not real. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That. Um, I wonder what, um, what New Zealand done because... What do they do? I don't know. I wonder, I know they have a solution because they're great. So yeah. 100%. <laughs> I don't even need to know what they did, but you know they did something because their prime minister is amazing. amazing. We should move to New Zealand, but we shouldn't really, but we should. Yeah, we she should move here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just the last two comments on this. Uh, so uh, Antoinette says, bit of a digress, but do we know if the royal family are still getting their full monies from the treasury or are they too having furlough payment, payments and reduced allowances because uh, they ain't working and ain't going nowhere. So <laughs> ain't nowhere to go because uh, everywhere's locked off. So nowhere to go and do a royal opening. And uh, Rika says it's true i'm a student starting uh i'm a student started in september and i'm already not happy with what i'm um, learning and um how i'm being taught it's not fair and mm. Charlene says ain't no national curriculum being taught around here <laughs> <laughs> i'm giving up on my son's secondary school <laughs> well, i mean it's just like i can imagine man it's hard it is yeah. hard. Yeah. They, they... I couldn't I could I couldn't imagine that. <laughs> it's harder in winter. I think last yeah. year, because we had like exceptionally good weather as well once we went into lockdown in March, it was easier because we could do schoolwork and then go to the park. It was just like and it's sunny. But in the winter, this has been really hard. It's it's not easy, especially when it rains or if they don't run around. It's just yeah, it's it's a yeah. shit show really. I feel that, like my daughter's on the verge of going feral. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what my friend was saying. That she is that the, the because the kids haven't had like break time, their energy levels are up. So in the house, they're bouncing off the walls and getting to sit down at a table. So that that's what you guys are going through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We have around, well, and they're doing it on Zoom. And I want to have a word with the tutor because they sent me a fee note the other day, and it's the full fees. And I'm like, blood. What? For drama school on Zoom, I don't think. So. Oh my god. It's the full fee. I'm like, mm. it's forty. It's it's fifteen minutes shorter, right? And it's on Zoom. I'm not. Where's your overheads? No, just no. Like, I haven't paid it yet. No, no. I, that's a conversation. Okay. I'm gonna have a conversation because it's just like, nah. <laughs> you need some sort of credit because that has to turn into credits because other situ- other things that I'm paying for certain things are giving you credits because you cannot attend their services yeah because yeah. so, I can't visit their premises or their services they are crediting me the monthly fee or you yeah. can freeze on it now this is, should be the same thing applied it should be year. especially if you think about last term as well that ended on Zoom too so it's like nah man come on you can't expect me to pay the full fee that's the first thing I'm putting in I think, no, I, am. I think like you know just so many different these organizations they're all trying to desperately survive because mm. when this um i'm not saying it's fair but at all kind of thing but it's just like everyone's just trying to get a pound note now because yeah. once april hits and furlough scheme is over like 
probably half of these businesses aren't really going to exist anymore. And if you're in with like a big, you know, kind of like corporate global company where, you know, they're able to, you know, say to you, oh, okay, yeah, if you're homeschooling, do you know what I mean? Like take the morning <laughs> kind of thing and stuff and, and give you all this time. You know, most people don't don't work in those organisations. So it's just, it's deeply unfair. And I feel like the people making the rules, they're so out of touch with reality. Do you know what I mean? They don't know what the average person goes through. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's diabolical, to be honest. And there should be really, really clear guidelines in terms of like, okay, if you're converting to this, then you need to drop prices by this percentage. Do you know what I mean? Like, just how, you know, with... um you know, if you're going, well, when we could go outside, if you're going to an event space, do you know what I mean? They reduce capacity. Do you know what I mean? Like, because of because of it. So those, you know, restaurants and event spaces, they can't earn as much um, as they as they would. So why, why? yeah, everyone should, everyone, if, if you're changing the way you're doing it, then you need to get a reduction, I, I think. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. I, agreed. Um, go on. Mm. Yes. Uh, last comment. Yeah. Um, so uh, Yvonne says you shouldn't be paying the full fee for a Zoom session. It's not the same. Make sure you talk to them, Auntie Farah. All my son's sessions have been paused and so have the payments. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same with the boys dance class, although I would I wouldn't mind them doing dance on Zoom. But I wouldn't be expecting to pay the same as when they're in a class session altogether. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, she- it's performing art, so it's like yeah. dark drama and like music too, so it's singing too. So it's just like, yes, yeah, she needs. We uh, there's going to be a discussion this week. As I said, I've ignored the fee note, and she knows <laughs> I've ignored the fee note. So yeah. <laughs> let's not talk about it. <laughs> um, Auntie Shade, what have you heard? Okay, so my story is about good old Love Island. <laughs> the reality show that I wish actually was on at the moment kind of thing because it was very entertaining for someone like me but anyway it's about uh, a past contestant from past series um, so uh, Lucy um, who can only be so I was trying to figure out how do, do I d- describe her and I was going to say fake surfer but I think that's a bit too harsh because she says she's a surfer and she's really not. But anyway, so I'm going to call her a surfer model and um, from England, um, who's a white lady, and Yuande, who's a cancer scientist from Ireland and who is also Nigerian. So um, basically, Lucy basically started this uh, by responding to a comment of a fan saying that Yuande had um, always bullied her. And everyone was just a bit like, huh, Yuande? Like, it just doesn't sit with her character. And um, one day, you know, defended herself, she came out and she revealed that Lucy allegedly was actually the one who was being the aggressor in the situation. And she refused, Lucy refused to pronounce Yuande's name properly and tried to give her the nickname of Y. Um, and obviously, Yuande was like, no, 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 darling, you can't call me that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and... Lucy is now saying that, you know, it's not how it's not how it sounds. That's not what she meant, et cetera, kind of thing. So Yuanda's actually done a piece in The Independent today. And she says in this, it can be monumental, a monumental task to get aggressors to realize that they're the one um, that they are trying they are sorry that they are delivering microaggressions because it's uh, terrifying for them to realize that they may have biased thoughts 
attitudes and feelings against individuals from ethnic um, groups. And my question to you guys is, um, first of all, has this happened to you? Do you know what I mean? If so, how did you kind of deal with it? What your advice to people, I guess, kind of thing, if it if it has happened or what they should do? And what do you think in terms of this, this notion of that aggressors don't realise what they're doing? Do you think that is always the case, sometimes the case? Because I think it's a little known fact, especially in the workplace, that there's a bit of tension, usually, sometimes, between black women and white women, especially if white women are more in a position of power. So, yeah, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Auntie Farah. Yes, well, as someone whose name is Farah, and people try to call me Farah, um, and then when I repeat myself and they come back saying Farah, Farah, um, it is, it, they do know what they're doing. People definitely, and my name's not particularly hard to pronounce. So, you know, they do know what they're doing. I've worked with some people and they have like names that are difficult to pronounce and people try to not say it properly. And I'm someone that will be like, no, make sure they tell you, make sure you say your name. You don't have to change your name for them. It's up to them to learn your name. Um, yeah, it's definitely microaggression. Um, and the fact that people think that, oh, no, that's not what I mean. My favorite thing to do is to then call them something different and see how they like it. It's not difficult to learn someone's name. If you can say Tchaikovsky and all of that shit, you can learn somebody's name. It's not fucking difficult. Auntie Nana. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody with an African name has probably suffered this repeatedly throughout life. And I think mine is so simple, but the amount of times I've been called Nana, Nana, Nina, just randomly, and one person at one work, I couldn't even, it went on for so long, I allowed them to just call me Nina, because it was just like, this is, this is ridiculous, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna the, correct you every single time, but Nana is a, is a constant, that happens a lot, and I don't know, it's like, but I'm sure they would call their Nana, Nana, so it's not like a name that you probably haven't heard before. Like once I've said it once, you'll be like, oh, yeah, the people, some people call their Nana Nana. And that as well, that pisses me off. It's like, it's so dry. You you must know if you know somebody called Nana and you'll be like, oh, you don't look old enough. They've probably heard that a hundred times and it's boring. But yeah, the, the name thing, she knows exactly what she's doing. Lucy absolutely was doing the classic white woman thing of my interactions with this girl didn't go well and it's her fault and she thought I could put this bullying thing out there and she didn't know that the time has changed and shit turned back on her and now she's trying to be like oh my god nobody understands me and I'm such a victim because everybody's like you're racist like you 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 are though you know I really want people to get over like the the fear of being called a racist because we all have racist tendencies within us because the system is racist so actually if somebody calls you a racist you should be like hands up I am and I'm gonna learn to leave my racism to one side I'm, I'm gonna continuously learn and just put your hands up and be like yeah it's true I did some shit but you know yeah Lucy's an idiot and she was she's always gonna be an idiot as well 
I'm glad Yuanda is getting any type of press from this, really. I think it's great that she's in our faces because she's so intelligent. So long may she continue writing and speaking for herself. Yeah, I think they've, um, racist, the word being called racist and racism has been weaponized against us. Ironically, the, in quotes, victims of racism have had it weaponized against us. So we're the ones that become the aggressors when we call them their racist behavior out. Mm. And I think it is that. Uh, and I think from what Auntie Charlie is asking about, do you think they know? I think sometimes, white, not even sometimes, a lot of the time, white privilege has you in such a tower looking down on your minions that you don't even realize. So I can understand the, oh, didn't realize because you're so um, blind to the fact that what you're doing, because you're, cause what you, your actions are so normalized and you're sitting from a position of privilege where people actually, white people are now getting offended for being, even acknowledging the fact that they have privilege, especially if you're working class or maybe on, you know, not getting as much pay or you're in a, place where you don't feel very privileged you forget that white privilege is a different type of thing so there's all this brainwashing remixing and actually because it's never been addressed they don't really understand the f- well some don't understand that it runs deep racism doesn't mean again a skinhead with shame <laughs> or someone wearing a uh, you know a pointy hat and a cloak saying you know down with you know burning crossfires and all that type of stuff there's more to racism. there's levels to racism and you a simple thing like not learning a black person's name because you find it so difficult because it's oh so much to say you one day oh so much to say Farah instead of Farah and oh so much to say Nana instead of Nana then what the fuck is like that is that is epitome peak I'm a <laughs> princess waif and I can't be bothered with this stuff so let me just make it easy and let me remix I mean I've definitely had oh my god my name's been destroyed four little letters I never knew were so easy to get wrong um definitely in school those like word association and just butchering my name but I did have a long run of being called a queer and I used to be embarrassed of my name and I there was a hashtag and um, say my name that on the back of this conversation and lots of people were throwing in the mix that you know how many ways that their names have been brutally destroyed in school and that fear of waiting you know when you have a supply teacher and you know oh my god then you know what's <laughs> coming next and then worse is it's, sometimes it's like if you were in a room by yourself, okay, you can deal with it. But you know you're going to have like <laughs> all the snickering and the laughing in the background. And then if they say it in a way that's funny enough for everyone and then it sticks and everyone starts using it because they're like, our teacher called you this and now we're going to call you that from now on. School is so brutal. Um, and I just, I've, had, I've got two versions of saying my name, Akua and Akua. And I spent a long time saying Akua because Akua brought up so much bad connotations from school, from people just really just making it sound like vomit in their mouths. And there weren't many, and it's like, I started using Akua because my daughter's um, dad's family on her side, they all say Akua, and some people in Ghana say Akua next to Akua. So I wasn't like just like westernizing my name. I also had a thing about feeling guilty about westernizing my name. So Akua was more easily pronounced and people seem to have less problems with saying Akua than Akua. But now there are a few famous Akuas now. So now I'm like, oh, I can, <laughs> and people actually saying a queer now and it's interesting but i don't mind a queer and a queer but i have definitely noticed especially when i've done junkets i might introduce myself a queer and then halfway through the conversation i might say a queer so people are like um what's your what is, is your name and, um i do see and I, you know there's a lot of people there are some white people are like oh my god oh my god i've got to ask you something and i'm like i already know what you're going to say calm down it's okay i've been saying your name wrong for all this time and i'm like no it's all right calm down Akua is fine. I heard you say something else. A, 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 a queer, yeah, it's fine. I have to, and even that, because that comes from a place of innocence. But there's a lot of 
gymnastics that black people have had to do to make sure everybody else is okay about something that we have the right to be angry about. But I, I spent a lot of time calming people down. Um, you one day and Lucy, I didn't watch Love Island. I'm not really a fan of the show, but I saw the fallout and also agree. Long may you one day's rain, rain, because whatever. And her name is so simple, though. It That's like, the thing. It's so it's really easy. It's, yeah, it's so simple. <laughs> like, I, I, to me, it's like phonetics because a lot of people say like African names are quite phonetic in there, and and something like Farah, something like maybe Shade because people might not expect to say Sh, but then it's a very common name. You know, the singer Shade. If if, if anything. Yeah. If That's what I was going to say. That like, I've been called so many different things, like Charlotte, Chardonnay. Well, football is like Charlotte. Yeah. Lady, because the Shah, I guess. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, Shaniqua, I think they put at some point. Wait, that was Shaniqua? Funny. Yeah. I gave 20 letters out of one, four letters. Shaniqua? That's <laughs> yeah. taking the piss. That's taking the piss. But I just, I just like, that I'm, I make a point of making people say it properly, even though myself, I'm not the best at pronunciation, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, I do make a point um, because like, it's not that I just don't think it's that hard. And I'm just like, just like the singer, especially if you're over a certain age, just like the singer is Sade. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, and then be like, oh, like smooth operator. Yeah, exactly yeah. that like, kind of thing. So you're not going to yeah. get it. Do you know what I mean? But like, I do, and also I, ch- I, I change, I change, I actually, when I left home, I left my home quite young when I was 16, and I changed my, the pronunciation of my name, because it's Shade, um, and it's half a name as well, and it's my middle name, but anyway, like, kind of thing, like, you knew. Yeah. <laughs> I need to ask you after, what's the real first name? Yes. Like, I've I done that because I didn't want to be associated with that identity that I was in my house. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like I was trying to really westernize. It wasn't, I wasn't that thinking for me, but like, I, I just tried to create a new identity for myself and it just, I liked it and, I, and it stuck. Do you know what I mean? So that's what, that's what I done. But like I think um I think it's important. And also as well, when people when people try it, like with me, I'm not and, and this is this is a thing where so there's like any non black people watching, know that all black people are not the same. Do you know what I mean? So someone like Auntie AK may give you some space, but no, I'm not my natural reaction is not that. Do you know what I mean? My natural reaction is like, are you simple? Like <laughs> you know what I mean, that kind of thing. Just repeat what I'm saying. You know, because it's not, it's not hard. I shouldn't have to do those acrobatics yeah. to get your name. Do you know what I mean? And like someone, sorry, Charlene, I'll just jump to a comment. She said, Irish names, it's true. If you can say Siobhan, or you Ashley. can say Do you know you what I mean? You can say Ashley, you can say Charlene. Exactly, kind of thing. So it's just, uh, I, think, I think it's a bit ridiculous. So in my, in my career, I can't lie. It's, it's, do you know what I mean? Like people will probably tell you before you meet me, say my name properly. Do you know what I mean? Because otherwise I'm going to call you out. We're not going to move the conversation on until you get it right. Do you know what I mean? Especially if I'm leading as well. That is exactly how I am at work. People would like, people will say, and I, when I meet people, the first thing I say to them is Farah, not Farah. If you call me Farah, I won't answer you. (laughs) Like other people will say, no, you better call her Farah as well. You better call her Farah. It's it's simple. But I remember when I was younger, (laughs) I remember when I was about 10 years old, one of my mum's friends was like, 
I'm not even gonna lie, it was my stepdad, right? <laughs> it wasn't my stepdad at the time, but he was calling me Tanya, Tanya, or, or Tara. That's he's calling me Tara. He's saying Tara, Tara. I was like walking up the road and he was calling me Tara, Tara, and I would just ignored him. And then he said to my mum, I saw her and she didn't say hello to me. And my mum was like, Well, what did you say? And he said, I called her Tara. And my mum was like, Well, that's why she ignored you. Her name's Farah. <laughs> um, just to, just just to want to make a correction. I don't let people say my name wrong. I because I've done a year of people have heard me say a queer, and then they're saying because I've they've, I've introduced myself as a queer because that's also my name. And so people are like, oh my god, have I been saying your name wrong? I don't. I haven't let people do it apart from in school days. It's just the English voice. I was always used to say that you guys don't say a queer properly. You say a queer, a, and it just sounds. It's actually the English accent that I didn't like saying my name because it mm. removed all the ethnicity from it. So it was never that I let people call me like, sort out my call me out my name. So I, then when I was when someone called me um, Akua, I was like, yeah, that is still my name. Um, it's just a different tribe saying a different way, but it's still my name. And then I don't have to hear. It's actually more I didn't want to hear the English destroy and take out the ethnicity of my name. So I thought that sounded a lot better to me. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Let's get the comments. Okay, cool. Um, Candy says, watch me muck up everyone's name now. <laughs> but, <laughs> Candy says they know exactly what they're doing. Um, Zell says they always, um, they're all stupidness. I get names wrong and I've even mixed up people's names. Embarrassing. But I will try again and again and apologise. But I would never suggest that I change their name exactly. to make my life easier. Yes, well... Yeah. Uh, what's funny is that if, oh, I'm not sure. So my computer's gone a bit funny, so I don't know if I can read the end of that. Uh, sorry. Where would you at? Uh, what's funny is that if the, this is Zell. Oh, sorry, Zell, yeah. Can you see that? What's funny, if they can pronounce your name, they'll then try and mix your name up with another ethnics. Yeah, yeah that, that's very true. Yeah. Um, Charlene says, um, I don't think that, uh, I don't, sorry, I don't think that others want to unlearn their social conditioning. Also, as uh, you say, the fear of losing their privilege. Um, and... Priscilla says, my mum went to the trouble giving me an English name for school and still people and still people pronounce it wrong. I think they see you're black and, and decide your name can't possibly be that easy to pronounce um, and do verbal gymnastics to say it. Uh, oh, gosh. Where am I now? Um... I've got Yvonne here that says, my Nigerian name is Yawande also, and I adore my name, and it's very personal to me. So only family members and VIPs will have the privilege to call me by it. Um, Nicola says, uh, oh, gosh, she really did. She <laughs> <laughs> remember Ingozi uh, Adichie? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, changed her name just because she didn't, uh, she did not like um, how people pronounce her name when she arrives in the US. She speaks about how she makes Americans pronounce her name fully and not shorten it either. Um, Okoye says we give them too much power by saying that they know what they're doing. We can we can never know that idea to be true. So I know I've missed some, but my thing is being weird. 
Um, I will add. Da, da, da. Okay. I think. It, was, it was only the other one from a queer. So she says, oh. as another queer, often called a queer, I too offer people a queer or a queer. Um, I know I have a difficult name as it's not phonetic and I also have a fear of getting other people's name wrong. So it does not bother me too much when people get it wrong. I tell people that it's going to take five goes to get my name right. This disarms people normally and we all get to relax. I did once meet a lady, Emma, who asked if she could call me Alice and I said yes but only if I could call her fucking dickhead <laughs> and I laughed and said that she could have 10 chances to get my name right I spent the whole weekend correcting her even when she got it right <laughs> but this is the thing is that, I got the same thing a queer is queer and I and the time that was in primary school and I didn't even really know what being queer was so it wasn't even that I was being like I don't want to be called gay but it's just like a queer is queer it's just and it's because like I couldn't ever articulate. My name's actually a queer. It's a queer. So if there's a mm, and it's a back to that whole thing about you. You guys don't have the accents. You cannot say my name properly. Yeah. So I went through a stage of calling myself Anna. One day my mum picked me up from school and she heard someone say bye Anna. The world <laughs> got us on the way home. Your new like oh mate. I got good good on auntie. Yeah, like, I mean, when when you're young, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah, it, it, I think people can make fun of anything, though, because they, they can. They can. How yeah. far away are you all the time? It's like, yeah. oh yeah. But to be fair, I was one of those kids as well because you know that you have the name thing. So just to get in there faster, if somebody said, if they had a name that was slightly different, I would be the one to make up the song and sing that song to them. It was just like, I guess it's that kind of. Like the the bullied being the bully, like yeah. I can't even lie. I make I songs about names how, all the time. I can't even lie. Like I would make a song. Like if I did, no, there wasn't a queer. But because my sister's called a queer, it wasn't the same thing. But uh, there was an Ababa, and at the time there was an advert for a, a for, um, camera company called Cornica, I think it was. So I used Monica. to. Think, yeah, yeah, and I, I'd I would sing her name in that song. Like I, I, I could just be a bitch, but it's because shit had been done, and then you just try and ride the wave before somebody does it to you. See, I don't think when I do it because I do it a lot. I make songs out of everybody's names. Like I, I literally Terrible. cannot help it. I don't Terrible. think I, I don't think it's me being a bitch. I just feel like I don't know what it is. I just start making this, and this is anybody, anybody. There's a girl and like her name's Harriet, and I say Harriet. Ta, 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 ta. I, just can't, I can't help it. And it's like every time I speak to her, I say that. Everybody's yeah, I, name. Gets. I would find that super annoying. I think there's something about... Oh, there is, you don't have a song for me, though. I want a name song, please. I love that. Okay. No, I do. Yeah, I've got a song. Okay. So there's a girl called... One of my one of my favourite members of staff, her name's Yuande. And I, I make a song about her name. But we both do this dance together. We start doing this. And no, it's not a microaggression, people, because if anyone says her name wrong, I tell them about themselves. But yeah, I just I think there's, there's a difference between pet names, and there's also anyone can be teased, and there's a different there's a difference when actually look at your name or look at your face. As Priscilla said, you just saw a black person. Priscilla is a is a, is a Western a really name, right? simple name. So mm-hmm. then you're trying, you're just literally saw the face before you saw the name and associated a whole heap of negative blackness to it, and thought, oh, well, I can't say that. Wouldn't like I'm sure you got a granny called Priscilla anyway, or <laughs> someone called Priscilla in your family. But it's that thing of when you're actually being racist, where you're not going to even attempt to say this black name. 
because in your mind it's some booga booga jungle name yeah. that is going to destroy you and it's going to give you too much heartache and stress to say it. So you're going to be like, all right, I'm going to call you shortened version or something like that. But there's a whole other thing of des teasing because anyone's name can be teased. Anyone. Yeah. Um, if, you know, it, that, that's, that's what it is. I do. Do you remember that... Um that um, there was a Twitter feed one time where this man, I think it was in the US, and this white man basically w- refused to call this woman's name, say her name right. So she just changed his name every single time she saw him. She was like, oh, hey, Dave, hey, Bob, hey, Jim. Hey, oh, Dad, it was like a different level of petty. And then <laughs> he was practically crying, like, please, can you call me my name? Do you know what I mean? Kind of thing. He's like, oh, yeah, I know what your name is. I'm going to say it, blah, 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 kind of thing. And it's just like, you know what? Sometimes you, sometimes it gets like that, man. Sometimes you have to go to those tactics to get them to understand. Like, don't play. Like, you're you're playing a silly game, man. And two can play that, to be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's hilarious. Cool. Uh, I just do the last comment from Nicola. Um, Nicola's saying, but I guess this that's why British the British shout when they go abroad when they're speaking to people of the country. There must be a simple gene. That too. Boy, Auntie Nana, what have you heard? Okay, so I wanted us to, because we haven't spoken about COVID for quite a while now, um, and I was watching an influencer, Victoria, I think her surname is Everest. Um, She lost her mum a couple of weeks ago now, and her and another lady were talking who had also lost a parent were talking about their experiences um with their parents losing their parents and their parents dying um at in an NHS hospital and what seemed to be a common theme was both of their parents didn't want to be ventilated and were bullied into being ventilated and were on wards where the majority of people who had been on the ventilator did not come back. And so they both were like, we don't want to be ventilated. And then once their oxygen levels dropped a little bit, in Victoria's case, her mum's dropped 2%. And the doctor sees that opportunity to ventilate her 48 hours and she had passed. And similar to the girl's um, scenario as well, the lady that she had the talk with, Really, what I wanted to ask you guys was just what are your thoughts on COVID as it stands now? And what can we do um, from our position to maybe be, I I don't know, active in how black people are treated by the NHS? Like just what your general thoughts are. What can we do? Because all we get fed is that you know, the stats are high, that the BAME community are dying at disproportionate um, rates, but there's no focus on how are they being treated by the NHS. So I just wanted your general thoughts on that. Um, I, I, I just, I haven't had a chance to think about it. I think it's very difficult because we can't even be in the hospital space with them. We can't see for ourselves what the treatment is. We don't know the care that they're giving. Whereas, you know, in, on a normal day, you could go and visit and you can start calling them out. If like, listen, where's the doctor? You've been, you know, I've, um, my niece was in hospital last week because um, she had an allergic reaction to something. And just even talking to her on the phone, I could like we couldn't be there. They could only have one family member at a time for the whole visiting thing. You couldn't even have a remix of people. So what my her, her big sister was the only person that could go and see her. 
Um, and but when she was on her own, she was saying to me that you know when they were uh, putting in the can uh, cannula, they um, made a mistake a few times, and you know, automatically I'm just I'm, my my tiger mum senses are coming in because I can't go down there and keep a watchful eye. And the fact that because I know that you know, and, and my daughter's a student nurse, so she was like saying, no, this has got they've got to be careful with this because the tip tissue can collapse. All those type of things that we're removed from, we cannot complain, we cannot do anything. So I think it's really hard for us to offer advice or be a, a support group or something when you don't even see the level of treatment. And this is the one time where doctors and nurses have got this carte blanche kind of, well, we did the best that we could. And it was mm-hmm. COVID. But also, you know, that thing where you now get, you know, you might not have had COVID, but you could just be down and dying from COVID just because because there's nothing. We can't see anything. We're actually, our hands are actually tied. So I think it's really hard to come together and even understand if they're treating us any worse than anybody else. Um, and then I think in general about COVID, I feel I feel the thing that it's getting closer because, um, and I, I mean, my daughter just lost a really good friend from uni and she was 21 um, last week. And then within that space, her dad died too. And because the mum the works on the front line and dealing with, like having to support my child through her first serious um, loss was a lot. There's so, this this has a ripple effect and it is seeming close. I'm hearing so many more people have lost people at, to COVID right now. Um, and But we're none the wiser of how and what to do about it. And we can stay quarantined and do the best that we can and all that type of stuff. But I just, I, I, I don't feel actual physical fear. I'm still going about my daily business, but I am conscious of the fact that it's getting, it seems like it's getting closer or is it? Or is it just because... I don't know. Is it inevitable? And I don't know. I there's this this this, this is it's just un- unknown. I feel like it's I'm in the I'm in the dark about a lot of things when it comes to COVID. And all I'm seeing are people losing more people. It's getting closer to home, and I literally don't know what to do. And this is the stuff that makes you just like I can't wait for the world to be back to normal. But I do want, want to know what the fallout is because in a, in a, in the real world, would people be getting sued for forcing a ventilator on someone? And what are our rights after the fact? Mm. Um, Auntie, uh, Auntie Shadow. So, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a difficult one for me. I, I, I can't. Um, I wouldn't want to speak on, you know, the 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 people's families because we just don't. We we just don't know what other conditions like all. We just don't know anything really. And truly. we don't know enough. And like, we're not. We're not doctors or nurses either, do you know what I mean? And there's a lot of misinformation out there too. So it's really hard to know in general, like what's right and what's wrong. Do you know what I mean? Um, It's really easy, I think, for people to say what they think it could be, but they could also be wrong too, do you know what I mean? So, um, but I do know bias exists. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's a human trait across the board. So I do think that, in any situation, you know, we always, as black people, we, when we're, uh, uh, you know, in need of the NHS, we always be careful, like, in general, do you know what I mean? Because biases exist, do you know what I mean? And there's a lot of stats that prove that and show that. Um, I think I just feel a little bit of helplessness, really. Um, there's not much... There's not, you know, I'm very, very grateful and feel very blessed that none of my family has really been affected by this in like a a serious way. 
do you know what I mean? Like not many people can say that. Um, mm. So I'm very grateful for that. I'm very aware of that. Um, it's just a hard one, man. I, I, I can't lie. I'm just like, I just want it over now. Do you know what I mean? Because there's literally, I feel like there's nothing I can do. Like me thinking, oh, you know, people are going to be treated by, worse, you know, or I, I, it's just not helping anything, you know? Do you know what I mean? It's just going to create more trauma, more panic, more fear. That's not going to help any kind of situation. Um, yeah, so I don't really know. I know that doesn't really sound like, but yeah, that's honestly how I feel. I don't know what I can do. I don't feel like I can do anything. Yeah, it's difficult. I feel, yeah, a bit lost, to be honest. Auntie Farah. Yeah, I am. I agree with everything that you guys are saying. Sorry. Um, the problem is, is there's a history of black people not being taken seriously when we go into these hospitals. And the problem... Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a history of black people not being taken seriously when we go into these hospitals, which is why in like any time that my family certainly have had to go into hospitals, we've, we've gone en masse because and we've made sure that there's always one of us there to look and see what's happening. I remember when my granddad was in hospital, my mum kicked off at the nurses. She sat there first. They didn't realise that she's a like nurse who's been there, been been a nurse for like 40 odd years. So she sat there to watch what they were doing. And they did a couple of things and she was just like, no. So she kicked off at them and then they questioned her about it. And then she was like, no, this is what you're supposed to do. So we have a history of like going there and making sure that there was always someone around. And obviously that's been removed from us now. So doctors and nurses were overworked and underpaid beforehand, before COVID happened, before the pandemic. I remember being in hospital with my friend and they wanted to give him something and they, and it, and they were like, yeah, you can get that in the chemist. And we were like, but no, we can't get that in the chemist. And, and the, it was a junior doctor and she was like, oh yeah, no, I'm really sorry. I've been working like 70 hours or something like that, she said. So you can only imagine what they're working now and that's when mistakes happen. Um, the... Uh, it's really difficult because obviously with the new strain of COVID, more people are becoming sick. They, they don't know for a fact if it's more deadly, but more people are, are becoming sick. And like you, Auntie Shade, I've been quite fortunate, touch wood, that I haven't lost anybody through COVID. But I have lost people in the last year through other things. And the fact that you can't go to the hospital and be with those people and see what's going on, you just don't know what's happening. And there's bad people in everything. That's what we have to remember. There are bad people out there in every kind of career. We just don't know how these people are being treated. And that is a scary thing. And I don't know how what we can do at this point, because the excuse will be, well, you can't go because of COVID. So I just don't know how we go about ch changing that. It's very scary right now. The other thing is that, um, that I wanted to point out is that I spoke to a couple of nurses last year and they mentioned the fact that um, they're not being tested for COVID because they don't want them to be tested positive so that they have to go off because obviously they've got a low amount of staff and, you know, yeah. not a low amount of staff, but they haven't got enough staff to cope with the number of people that are coming in there now. So obviously if you get tested positive, not all these tests are hundred percent. If you get tested positive then you've got to isolate or someone around you's tested and you've got to isolate, that means that they've got less people, less people, less people. So we just don't know what's happening on the front line. And that is a scary thing. I don't know. 
yeah no similarly because um why I even brought it to you guys it's like I watched um Victoria live when she was discussing it and that feeling of helplessness that Auntie Sade mentioned was exactly how I was feeling so there wasn't a fear but it was just a thing of oh my gosh if that was one of my parents in this situation who I know they're sick and they're really trying to be like how how I'm being treated I don't want to happen it's just like what do you even do in that situation it wasn't like they provided any solutions for it because they had they had gone through it but they were just sharing that it was more of a heads up that this is this is kind of the state of play in the NHS that as they had experienced it with their parents in two separate hospitals but that this was this was a thing and then yeah just listening to them and thinking like really feeling helpless they did have a few like gems for you know when you have symptoms at the beginning both parents were feeling quite sick at the jump and didn't go straight to the hospital and kind of sat with it for a little while to see if it developed and so they again like what's been told about the the preventative measures for a virus zinc vitamin d um those types of things measuring your oxygen levels they were offering advice in those in those instances and and if your oxygen drops to below i think it was they said like about 92 percent that's probably the time to go to the hospital because you're less likely to go on ventilation if you but if you let it drop further and you really are struggling to breathe then they try and ventilate you like a lot earlier and having a a premature baby that was always the fear that the lungs wouldn't develop enough and the child would go on a CPAP machine which is a similar machine that they give for adults and a CPAP machine you would be told that if your baby goes on a CPAP machine, they have a higher chance of learning difficulties or death. And similarly, when you're ventilated, you have a higher chance of death or having to go through a, a, a long rehabilitation. I don't know what the CPAP machine does, why this is how it is, but a lot of people that have been ventilated and survived the ventilation then go through six months of physical therapy to learn how to walk again. So it's like, these are such huge things that they're not even sharing with us. It's kind of like, you know, you go into hospital and then you're, you have a better chance, but it's like the treatment in the hospital actually then can leave you with a deformity as well. It's just such a weird place that we're in and nobody's really sharing these stories. And when they do, you have that COVID notice come up or the video gets removed and it just feels like we're in a space where nobody's really sharing real information with us so that we can make real decisions as to what we do with our lives and our loved ones. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. But because we hadn't explored COVID for a little while, I thought I'd bring it up just for people to think about where we are at this moment in the world. Well, it's fair because I think, I mean, I, I shared with you guys the other day, <laughs> um, my mum, I think she's had the first jab from what I understand from the language when she was speaking to her friend and she didn't want to tell me because I'd been saying to her mum, don't rush and get the jab because you're not going anywhere. You are isolating. 
Um, so let's just take time. But she's really scared because she's hearing all the stories of people passing. And um, she's um, in her 70s and she's got underlying. So she's really scared of catching it, which I understand. But I'm also like, just take time with this vaccine because it's another thing we can't trust. We can't trust the care that our people are getting in the hospitals. And we have no idea how we trust the vaccine that's been rushed through. And there's also part of big pharmaceutical business where, because I, th- I think I saw a tweet the other day from the Brazilian government to, and it was from an organisation saying, like, yeah, our, our our vaccination is the one to use. And then just in that boast, I was like, how are you boasting about your vaccination being better? This is not the time for inter-country battles over whose vaccination is better. And that's when, it's, again, obviously you never forget, but you're reminded that there's money in actual vaccines and making people better. There's money in that, even down to just let's get people healthy. So organisations are going to be competing so that you buy their medicine. And it's just like, why should? why do we have so many options Apart from the only options we should get when it comes to the vaccine is what's been tested according to your DNA. And if you're from this particular grouping, then this is the best one for you. Not Pfizer, Oxford, Brazilian, French, all these different kind of just companies. And that's the difference. It's not the fact that actually you've done the research and for your body type, body makeup, and this is the genetic that we've studied. This is the one for you. It's, uh, that's what's frustrating. And I spoke to my dad. He's a lot more honest. He's like, yeah, I've had my first jab. Come to take my second one whenever because he wants to go um, back home. So, um, and I'm like, okay, cool, fine. You guys take it and see. Let, we'll just see the results. I'm praying that there's nothing going to be, there's no adverse effects for them when they have the second one. I've seen back and forth arguments. People said that they're fine. Others have said, look, no way, steer clear, not having it. And so it's just another extension of, it's just, yeah, hopelessness, <laughs> sadness, a little bit of, the fear is like, I can't stop what I'm doing. So I'm going to have to keep, have to go out, have to go shopping, have to do what I'm doing, staying safe and just hoping for the best, to be honest. Yeah. That's cool. They are targeting the older ones, though. My mum has had a call on a Sunday from her doctor telling her, like, you know, I've, I've booked you an appointment on the Thursday to come in. And she was like, no, no, doctor, not, uh, not ready to, <laughs> to come in. So he was like, well, when you are ready, you know, get in contact. So, and my uncle, Similarly, he's had a letter and a telephone call asking him to come in. So they definitely are really honing in. And that's a bit scary as well. It's like... It is, because if these people don't have people around them, they'll, you know, like my grandfather, like if my grandma's in this country and she wasn't back home, she would have run to the hospital, the doctors and taken it. Because what, you know, of a certain age, whatever the doctor says is law, like they believe them. So unless they've got people around them that can give them a bit of advice or a bit like just another opinion, that's what they'll run and do. My mum the same. They they in terms of um them contacting her, they text her and they sent her a letter and said, Yeah, you can have your jab. And she's just like, No, not yet. I'm I'm not doing it. She's not saying no. Well, she yeah. said no, not right now. But I don't think she's opposed to it forever, but she's definitely not having that right now. Yeah. Interestingly enough, Johnson and Johnson are trying to make a single jab. Yeah, good so I'm saying, why is this a competition? Why is this a business competition? Like, why is it, why? Like, this is a part, and then we're supposed to trust that. Why are you bringing in competition? I, it's like, okay, aunties, right, let's do an aunties jab then. Let's make an aunties COVID. No, but don't you think, I mean, like, it does make sense to make a single jab. That that's, what they, that that's what they should have done in the first place. You know Basically, what I mean? Like, I wasn't ready, is it? Yeah, that's my point. Why, why? <laughs> there's two because it's not it's not it's not necessarily sound um but yeah and 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 this is part of you know there's no surprise that elderly people 
getting the jab because this is their plan. Do you know what I mean? So they wanted to do the elderly and the vulnerable first, frontline workers, um, and then I can't remember who's next, and then everybody else. Mm. Um, do you know what I mean? And that's supposed to take up until July. So, you know, this is part of their plan and they're doing it. This is mm. what they said. Well, you, this time, anyway, they said, this when is it what they do and they're doing it. When it comes to asking guys, are you guys ready to take it? No. And I've said that from before, and it's not because I'm necessarily oh, down the line. Okay. But it's it's just because I think it's too early. The thing about vaccines, and I've said it time and time again, it takes a long time for people to work out what the side effects are for vaccines. I'm not just gonna run to the front of the queue and say jab me. I'm just not gonna do it. I don't know. I really don't know because I still can't really justify why I can take other vaccines and not this. Do you know what I mean? And that's and you know the whole speed thing is probably my main blocker but then at the same time you know we're not we're not 10 years ago do you know what I mean we're now so things are going to be faster so I can't and if it was to impede my life do you know what I mean as in I can't go certain places because I don't have the vaccine nah there's I'm gonna take um, I know I'm gonna take it because I get that <laughs> I want to go I want to get that they can't cure cancer huh no, like why? I can't. I just can't live. No, I and I understand that. It's like I've got friends that will take it because obviously they've got like underlying health conditions and they've had to um, isolate for a long period of time. So I get that. But my main thing is, it's the choice. It should be the choice. You yeah. should be able to choose if you want to take it or not. If you take that choice away from me, that's when I've my antenna is going to go up like this, and I'm thinking that like, something else is going on. It should be the choice. However, if enough people don't, what what I'm actually uh, I'm curious about. I'm not necessarily worried, but I'm curious that if enough people don't take it and these and we keep on getting spikes, then then legislation or rules around things will change. Do you know what I mean? So there will probably be bring out some sort of thing where you have to show that you've got it, um, got the vaccine, or you can't go into certain places, can't do certain things, and they'll try and make that law. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a, it's like a lesser, it's, it's two evils. I don't think it's a lesser evil. It's just two evils, man. Um, before okay. um, Nana, what are you going to say? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, because I don't have any health issues. I'm relatively healthy. Um, and I don't think uh, it would be necessary for me to take the vaccine. And that's a vaccine jab when, well, you know, it, there's not so many jabs available that somebody else could take. So I wouldn't want to present myself as somebody to take a jab from somebody else that needs it. So I wouldn't. Um, selfless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm selfless. It's, it's not about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm reluctant to take it for the same reasons as probably Auntie Farah, um, but I do have slightly funny lungs, so I don't know. I don't know. I just, but my thing is, is about it's like it's similar to the flu jab. It's it's is it is a vaccination. It is a vac. Does the vac will the vaccine guarantee protection? They don't know. No, they, they can't. Um, no. They don't know. Exactly. And they don't. No vaccine can do that. No, I get it. Uh, 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 yeah, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the thing is like taking it and taking it because I don't take the flu jab. I don't. I've not been. I'm not. I've never been fearful or something like that. It's more about the thing of COVID that scares me the most is the breathing thing because I've had um, a, a lung situation a few years ago and that was 
similar thing that I could not breathe. And I had to, it, it, it was a really scary situation not being able to breathe. So that's the thing that scares me the most about getting this. If I was to get it, how deep would it get for me? But um, I, I still, I'm reluctant about the um, vaccine. I really am. But we'll see. Let's get some comments. Yes. Um, so Akoya says, now, uh, sorry, I know a few people whose parents have died in hospital. To be honest, they were, they are all being treated, uh, treated bad equally as per the ventilation. The people I know have all been white and the treatment of the family are back. We have, have to put some girl pants on and make some big decisions. If you go to hospital, then they will treat, they will treat you away. Full stop. They are not treating white people better. Personally, I wouldn't go to hospital um, if I got COVID. So I'm looking up what to do naturally. Not wearing a mask or using hand sanitizer, but I am drinking neem and other herbs almost daily. And I will start to inhale neem as well. This time calls for everyone to live by what you really believe in. Personally, I'm prepared to die this way. I will not go to a place that I no longer trust, and I don't trust them in terms of COVID. Um, Veronica says, once the jab is offered, the doctor then then really, really force, particularly the elderly, to take it, and they are really scared. Um, Okoye says, uh, goes on to say, my mum is getting calls daily, and I took the call today. Uh, Veronica says, follow the money. <laughs> and Beverly's also saying, because it's business, uh, illness is big business. It's in the scientist's interest to have millions of sick people. Um, it will create uh, health. It will... I mean, ill health. Ill health, sorry, creates jobs for others. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, Nicola says, in other countries, they have um, started a turn... Started with, sorry, turnkey uh, personnel first, teachers, police, doctors and nurses, etc. The old are lower down the list. They're focusing on restarting the economy. That's interesting. Um, Mm. Sorry, why is it jumping? Um, Akoya says, it doesn't uh, make sense to take a single jab because in truth, you can't make a vaccine against all possible future flus. Um, Think about it. Think about it. Uh, flus always change. You can never vaccinate against um, such a fast-changing virus. You will always be one step behind so the evolution of the virus. But what you can do is build up your immune, um, your immunity. Remember, it was, it's less than 1% death rate. Um, sorry. Charlene says, I think the word trust is very powerful in this subject because as people of African origin, we historically know that European medicine and healthcare has not been kind to us. COVID has highlighted the NHS is not structured to serve our community uh, with the highest level of care. Uh, oh, sorry. With the, oh God. Oh God, I lost my place. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. COVID has highlighted the NHS is not structured to serve our community with the highest level of care or even etiquette. However, our community has invested historically in the development and the success of the NHS. We as people have to collectively take our health in our hands, uh, yeah, help in our hands and start thinking about creating a world-class health care system to serve exclusively our own. 
ideologically thinking, maybe I just can't see how we can expect Western healthcare to work for us in these times. And Beverly says, uh, they've had AIDS, cancer, for so and cancer, I guess, uh, for so long. Where's the vaccine? It's happened too quick. The other thing is that years ago, technology wasn't advanced, so we didn't know when things were happening in real time. Uh, yeah. That's it. That's it. Sorry. Thank you for your lovely comments. That was a, a, a lot of comments in that one. That was a good mm. one. Yeah. I mean, it, I think everyone's feeling it. It's, it's, it's a, such a weird time that we're in and mm. what we're experiencing. It's, every so often you kind of reflect and think, this we're really in a space. And just to um, wrap up, my, my like even speaking to my mum, just going to see her, that we can't see her the way we used to go and see her and her fear and it's just I don't know for old I mean it's weird for all of us but imagine for older people like what's going on you can't go I don't know anyway it's just a weird situation that we're in um let's move on to the next subject I think that's auntie Farah (laughs) (laughs) didn't you do that last week (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're Um, mute you're mute you're mute Oh, and I was cussing you as well. <laughs> I was on mute. The world didn't need to hear that. <laughs> um, so my story is last week on the deadliest day of the pandemic so far, where there were 1,610 deaths, the government voted to reject an amendment to protect the NHS from trade deals. Um, Boris chose not to save the NHS, even though they had saved him. So my question to you guys is, what do you think this means for the future of the NHS? Auntie Uh, From what I could gather with this story, I mean, the Tories have been trying to sell the NHS for so long. And it's like the last public owned, but it's even, it's still partially privatised, but they want to thoroughly like privatise it. Yeah, they're going to try every which way to do this. And I guess at this moment, where everybody's talking about the strain on the NHS and how private money would really help, they're going to seize this opportunity. Every time they get into government, they try. And so it's not surprising that they're going to try again. And really, I think, um, I, I don't know if the public are there to actually keep the NHS as it has been. Um, I think there's a lot more people that are a bit more like... Um, they understand privatisation and they want it to happen. So uh, I'm not surprised. And I think we can always expect this from a Tory government once they come in, that they're going to try and push for this. And eventually it's probably going to happen. So I wouldn't be surprised in 2022, 23, if we do have a privatised National Health Service. I wouldn't be surprised. Auntie Shade. Uh, yeah, I mean, God, it would be such a shame if that's what they've done. Um, I think like they, they, I think they could do better by the NHS. They're just choosing not to. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think it's it was very, very telling when they would prefer not to pay NHS workers more money and voted against, but then you know encouraging people to clap for them. It's just nonsense. It's an absolute nonsense. It's a disrespect. Um, so, yeah, I just think, uh, yeah, 
I, I hope it doesn't. I, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope that the majority of people um, can see the benefit of the NHS and will, you know, vote the right way in the next election. And hopefully, it will be here to stay. And also, it's like it is. It is kind of like one of our last great institutions. Like every, you know, like obviously, this is our first pandemic in 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 our history. Um, but every world war, do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. They, I mean, the NHS died because of the world wars, right? Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing is, it's been there and it saved the people of Britain. Do you know what I mean? And I think that it should continue. It should continue to do that because that's exactly what it's trying to do. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's my political speech for the day. <laughs> it's, it's um, again, about, again, uh, why is our health business? Why should our health business and it is again pressure from the US where in their negotiations of business and especially now we're under pressure with not being with, with the EU and wanting to you know and especially where now um, Biden's reaching out the hand so we're going to be best friends again or something like that who knows but the fact that the US have got our health system on there like as a thing where we'll know when we trade with you but we want a piece of the NHS it's just so sickening it, and I, I don't have anything else to say it's sickening Tories have been like this they're I don't even know what to say. Like, um, so just to push you on that, but do you think? Do you think that um, now that Biden's in power and not Trump, do you know what I mean? Do you think that will change? Because if that pressure was coming from the US, that's from the last four years, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Would that would that change now? Who know? But again, we don't know what. That, I mean, that conversation they've always been trying to push for the NHS, and every every I think every. Um, election run in a, in America, there's, there, the, um, the NHS comes up. Imagine it's got nothing to do with them, but it comes up. And I just think there's a little chipping away as, like, you know, the NHS has been chipped away. So it's a part of it, parts of it is already private. So, and, I, and I'm not confident that they're going to hold on to it unless we get a really strong Labour government that, you know, aren't middling right or leaning more to the right and then really left strong and really like, no, we've got to save the NHS and actually do something about it because. All these things like we've got to save the NHS and all this type of stuff. It's like you can literally save it. Like you don't. It, we shouldn't be having these conversations in twenty one. That why is the NHS struggling? You. They made it all. They made a conscious decision to not increase pay, to not incre- not improve facilities, to shut down all the A and E. It's like, it, and I and I, I never see. I haven't seen actually a counter argument from the Tories or anybody to say what are the benefits of privatization for us because America has shown that it's a shit show mm-hmm. trying to get the right uh, policy for whatever. And what you're making, all this type of stuff, it's a shit show. Having to pay thousands of pounds to have a baby, having to pay thousands of pounds if you've got asthma, a simple inhaler will then cost a like literally a bill, not a bill as in slang bill, as in it's like you've got to have a big bill because mm-hmm. you've got asthma. Like I don't understand. I, I that's it's just it's just frustrating that we've got these people that just say things like we're going to Parliament and just say raw, 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 and just ask stupid things that just they're so removed from the common people and then just and then we listen to them we let it through and then the stupid voters and the people are stupid and we'll vote for people for some reason and then and then sit there crying like oh gosh now this shit's happened we have to wait another four years or eight years or whatever before we can get that government out and then because that government's left something it's like it never ever reverts back to what it what should be it's so much undoing they might just leave it and then try and fix what it is so we will end up being privatized and maybe some you know left kind of tweaks to the situation i don't know 
I don't know. I don't know if Biden's going to change anything because big business controls a lot of governments and over here too. So I just don't know. I don't know. As long as big business is involved in politics, we're just we're at the mercy of them. Um, but I would really love someone to present in the UK a real argument why the NHS should be privatised. What benefits? And, and also then a voter that will vote for the Tories and say, yeah, I believe them. When didn't they promise? What was it on the, how much millions to the NHS? We're not seeing it. So how yeah. you, you vote? Wasn't for, it Boris that put it on the bus? That's what yeah. I'm saying. You lot are still listening to Boris. You still people. It's the same thing. People that follow Trump down the well. You're following this buff. He's a fucking buffoon talking shit. I can't. I can't. And then they say the word. And then they lie and say it's not up for grabs. But yeah, it is up for grabs. I'm, I'm stupidly frustrated about these people. It's long. I don't have anything positive. So I don't know. Shit. Bollocks. Yeah, I, I think it's only a matter of time before they fully privatise the NHS. They've been saying they're going to do it for such a long period of time. It's the last standing thing that is, you know, British, so to speak. Um, in the vote, I'm going to tell you how many votes were against amending the bill. So MPs voted 356 to 266 against the amendment. It was mainly Tory MPs that voted against it, which isn't a surprise there at all. Um, mm. So you had Labour Party, Liberal, Green Party all voting to amend it um, and protect it from trade deals. It's, it, it is just politics, isn't it? It's just blatant politics. There's all this thing during, a post, during the pandemic, protect the NHS, protect the NHS, protect the NHS. They've got it written everywhere. They've got posters. They, when they stand up and make their announcement, there's big posters on their podium saying protect the NHS and all of this shit. Yet for all, really, they want us to protect it right now so they can sell it off. They yeah. don't give a fuck about it. Just like they didn't give a fuck about British gas. They didn't give a fuck about British rail. They didn't give a fuck, mm. fuck about Royal Mail. They didn't give a fuck about any of that shit because they, there's a, there's money involved in it. And unfortunately, it is going down the route of privatisation. What I want to know is, though, when it's privatised, are you going to re remove the money that I pay to contribute towards the NHS in my salary? Are you going to remove that and out of our taxes? Are they going to remove that so that then we can actually then pay towards our own private healthcare? I doubt they're going to do that. They're going to say it's for something else. We're going or to pay for furlough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or that will be the bit that they say still there is a little relative, small, relatively small amount that goes towards the NHS. And that's why we can't change it. It's just ridiculous. The waiting list on the NHS now is, is just at the point of ludicrousy. My mum's been waiting for such a long time. And this is before the pandemic to have her knee looked at. This is a woman who spent 50 odd years working for the fucking NHS and she can't get an appointment for them to look at her fucking knee. It's just ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And Boris and his fucking minions, they, they know what they're doing. It's all, it's all about money to them and yeah. nothing else. That's the part that's frustrating. Like, it's just literally down to money. And you're not going to take it with you as it's shown your life, it's just, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand. I just don't go. What we've got to remember is as well, these people who are making these rules don't use the NHS like mm. how us exactly. ordinary. That's what I'm saying. Don't use it. You cannot, like, they're not going to be waiting around if they've got, like, if they need a dentist appointment or they need to go and get a scan or some shit like that. They're going to use their private health kit because that's what they've got. So when we say we need the NHS, they don't really understand what that means because they're not living like us. I, I was just thinking that, um, so if there was a proposition of we are going to reduce your taxes and then you set up your own private health care, I, I don't know if I would be opposed to that. Having um, an operation 
that was supposed to be on the NHS, but because it was going to be on the NHS was going to take eight months. And then going through Choose and Book, I don't even know if that service is still available, where you can select a private healthcare official to do it and the government would pay them. Um, And then I went that way. And then the operation was done in five weeks as opposed to eight months. And I had my own room. I had food. Uh, My husband could be in there. It was just so lovely. I kind of feel like I understand why people would be like, actually, I'm going to pay for private health care. I would only be inclined to do that, though, if my taxes were reduced and I wasn't still paying into the NHS. Exactly. What about the people who are more vulnerable? Do you know what I mean? That are the vulnerable people in society. That's that's that that's well, we're still paying taxes, aren't we? I think those those are the that that that's the argument with the whole keeping the NHS going. But if if the NHS isn't entirely fit for purpose, I'm not opposed to actually just going private. But I think yeah, because I've had those conversations about going private anyway. Because it's like I think I literally had a conversation with my child the other day. I can't remember what we were t- discussing, but then, like, well, let's just go private because I, but it's that, but you're able to, but that's what I'm saying. That's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And I'm not necessarily in a position to do it right now, but it's the choice to do it. But that doesn't mean to say mm-hmm. at that point that the NHS should fall to shit or not be available mm-hmm. um, because it's been privatized. You know what I mean? And then, so what does that mean? You know, you see in America, again, America's the example. You've got people that are, you know, from working class backgrounds or whatever. Going and going and getting the shoddiest treatment. I mean, we're in that space right now, so I get what you're saying, Auntie Nana. But it's just like, the, the, you know, the whole bottom line of this: put the money that we pay in taxes to the NHS, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yes, that's my point. My point is that if the NHS goes, then our taxes for that should go as well. Because because the NHS, like Auntie Shade said, is here to protect the people who are more vulnerable, like who don't who aren't financially able to actually go out and get private health care. So if you're going to do away with that because you don't give a fuck about us anymore, then at least make us not pay those towards those. Um, and and, what, and who was it that said that that's it, they're going to remix the portion that we pay? So it's, only, it's only two pounds out of your waist anyway. So it's not going to make a difference. So it's like so they say. But I, don't, I, I, I don't know if I totally agree with that, though, because I feel like I, I feel like we'll probably be if we was to go down that route where we're paying a reduced rate, and and then the NHS can still exist, but it's, do you know what I mean? Like, if you pay the reduced rate, it's probably not going to change for those people. So nothing changes in a sense. We're just paying privately. That's, that's, no, well, that's all yeah. that kind of is. So I just, I don't know. I feel like they just need to, they just need to fix it. They need to be honest. Yeah. Right. Okay, okay. So what I'm saying is, if they decided that they're going to private, I'm not saying let's do this now, but what I'm saying, if they decided that they're going to make the NHS privatise, if they're going to like sell it, right, and they're going to make it private, or privatise the NHS, my thing is then I should be able to choose whether or not I use it. Because it's no, it's no longer free for anybody, is it? You can change, you can choose now. Yeah. No, what I'm saying is it's no longer free. So therefore, if 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 it's no longer free, why should I pay into it? Because because you're helping the rest of society. It's not free for them either. If we look if we look at America, healthcare is not free. There is no, no free healthcare. So we if they're going down that route, and that's what I'm talking about. Sorry? 
We don't have to match their model, though. No, 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 I know. But just like my whole thing, it's all hypothetical. But I am saying Mm. if we go, if we follow the American model, which is what we're all fearful is going to happen, that they follow the American model where you have to pay for everything. If you can go, if you go into a hospital, they won't see you if you don't have private health care. Hang on, Ronald's saying something and he's the American. He knows stuff. He wants to read his comments. Hang on, hang on. Let me just say my point. So really... As so, I'm not talking about for everybody, and I'm not talking about for poor people in general. Mm. I'm thinking more from as a black person with a black family. If we know that the NHS has biases and we fare badly when we go in, depending on who you go to and who's looking after you, you know, there was that stat that um, children were, I think it was three times more likely to survive if the doctor was black. Yeah, yeah, I could pay and I had access to really good private healthcare and I can afford it, I think that for the majority of black families, that's where you should focus your money on. I think that that's like a duty to your family's care. You should try and have private healthcare. So if I don't really think that, um, I, I'm not too fussed either way with the NHS because I don't think uh, as somebody that's, been in various hospitals for various reasons I don't think it's entirely fit for purpose at this moment in time now that may be on purpose that they are absolutely ruining it but then I have to think of my skin color and my family and have not fared well in this system so I don't I'm just putting it out there for black families who can to not feel this loyalty to this system that actually hasn't been of benefit to us can I ask in you, all ways? Sorry, before we go to the comments, can I ask what's the guarantee under private healthcare? Because is it because if you're paying into something, is there? Because I think I understand what you're saying, um, but is there a guarantee that you're going to get that better care from like is other It's not just going to be less racist, less biased, listen to you more, or is it because they are bound by the fact that okay, you could get sued? I don't know what what's what's So speak all the time. So I'm just thinking you can, you can challenge things like I've had private healthcare as well. That like it's 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 just it's just a nicer experience. Um, I think do you know what I mean, kind of thing. And people are like it's it's more like uh, their job rather than their duty. So you can ch- challenge things. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like so it's 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 a different. It is definitely a different experience. I think I'll be more inclined like. If we're looking from a black through a black lens and like a black perspective, then like yes, if there was like a private healthcare system that particularly served the black community and maybe had black doctors or more black doctors and stuff, I would love that. I would love that. Do you know what I mean? But I would also want to put into that model like a way to pay sub disease for people who are not as fortunate as I am. Do you know what I mean? That also come from my community. That can be served. Like I would like something like that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That, I agree. That, that, I agree. that model, mm-hmm. but that's the whole thing. It's like that way that we have more autonomy on how we're going to spend our money. To me, feels better than actually this NHS that we're all a bit like um, patriotic about, and it's like yeah. actually it totally served us. So I'm I'm not opposed to what the conservatives want to do to the NHS. I'm absolutely not opposed to it. But I'm more like, no, they are, they, there's so many different things within this system that have really done wrong 
to black nurses, doctors, patients, where I'm like, I, I have no, I'm not invested in, in its survival, really. It's the, the model hasn't worked for me. As you say, though, so that, that could be on purpose. Care. Sorry, go on. As you say, that could be on purpose. And also, I was going to yeah. say that, that, that the, I think where people get, well, from my perspective, the annoyance and the frustration is that you can't trust their intention. And it is like, are they keeping the NHS shit on purpose and then your the, the the business side of it is just because to, to make themselves rich it's not for the care of us so what issues are there with privatization because yes, yes we know it's a beautiful experience or a better experience but what there must be a, there's always the darker side of whatever goes on behind it um uh let's so, i was gonna it. say like my main fear is that people not everyone can afford healthcare. that's my main thing my main fear but not everyone can afford healthcare, but if you're going to privatise it, if you, the government, are going to do that, then I don't want to pay into your shit. I want it to be like Auntie Sade said, I should be able to find my own model rather than pay into your shit where Joe blogs on the street who doesn't have any money, he equally can't, he can't, go, he can't roll up to the NHS anymore because it no longer exists in that mm. format. The other thing that's in, that is interesting is if you look at the prison service. So in the, in the prison, in the, if you look at prisons, there's a lot of prisons that have been privatised because mm. there's money in it. They've made a lot of money out of privatizing prisons. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that that prison is necessarily better, but there's a lot of money in it. Let's get the comments, please, girls. Okay, cool. So uh, Veronica says the NHS is gone. It it was always their plan to privatize. Uh, Beverly says, how can the UK authorities contract nurses from abroad and want them to pay for quarantine if they bring their children? Why do they want them to go out of their family um, to infect their household. Nurses coming here to care for... Nurses coming here to care for... Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to pay. They'll have to pay for quarantine before they start earning. These people are so low. Yes, yeah. Uh, Charlene says, um, I'm really hoping the British people won't stand for it. Uh, Veronica says, no, I think Biden will continue the idea of owning our NHS. And and goes uh, Charlene goes on to say, a national uh, private healthcare system is simply not the British way. Uh, Zell says, things like this show, um, show um, like this show are helping us through this gloomy lockdown. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Zell. <laughs> um, Akoya says, uh, hold on one second, I'm 51 and they've been carving up the NHS ever since I was a child. It's not about selling it because they've sold loads already. Do you know when, um, do you know when you go to hospital? Not really. All this woo-ha is for you to be worried. When they, when you're worried, you can't think straight. That's what all of it is all about. Uh, COVID, NHS, racism, uh, keep the people worried. It's a game. Uh, Beverly says, oh, sorry. Um, Auntie Farah, you're spot on. Don't ever forget they're capitalists. Um, Ronald says, oh, Ronald, it was your birthday two days ago. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. Hope you had a good one. Uh, Ronald says, you don't want a price. Pri- oh. Oh, can't speak privatized healthcare system. Uh, sorry, you will end up with lots of uninsured people who don't want, don't have preventative care. Uh, they'll use the emergency room as their primary system. Biden has reopened the enrollment for Obamacare. 
Um, he would also he would like some sort of government healthcare system. Great. Uh, Nicholas says the NHS is not fit for purpose because they're trying to straddle two horses. Is the government tried to run the NHS like Trump tried to run the USA? The system cannot serve two gods. They should leave it to be free at point of use. Uh, Charlene says, however, in a emergency, UK British healthcare services have to use NHS services, doctors, nurses and equipment. Private healthcare is based more on aesthetic, more autonomy on appointments. Private doesn't mean higher quality of medicine. Uh, Veronica says, follow the money, ladies. Um, Akoya says, uh, oh, sorry. My gosh. So my laptop is going crazy. Uh, Akoya says, go, Nana. So true. Let's, um, Let's look at letting go of the NHS. It's only 70 years old. Around 80 years ago, oh, allopathic, yeah. allopathic medicine, thanks, <laughs> was one of two medical systems. Uh, we've forgotten that herbal and so-called alternative medicine was on the same ground less than 100 years ago. Why do we want to save a system that never talks about prevention and good health practices, um, e.g. look at COVID? Why is the NHS not pushing immunity? Very good point. Beverly says capitalism, social care as well. And Charlene says, I would be more happy to use my hard-earned money to support research that supports diseases and illnesses that inflict our community, such as sickle cell disease, diabetes, etc. Both points have been made. I think it's true. There is a, a level of loyalty to the NHS because what we know. I definitely, have, yeah, if you clear away the emotions and the facts of it all, it is about, you know, what's best for you as a black person especially. But also it is like, what are the, what is the darker side of privatisation? There's also something to that because you can't mm-hmm. trust the government that was so wanting to push us towards privatisation. What will be the loss? Because there will definitely be a loss. And even to those of us who sign up for it. Let's move on um, to aunties. No, best. And who's got, a, who's got an issue that. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I'm putting in work. Thank you. Yeah. I know you, you've had a lot this week. I've been feeling for you. Feeling you me too. Auntie Charlotte, you've had some essays. Yeah. <laughs> essays, man. It's good, it's good for term, yes. Uh, guys, you've got an issue that needs to be resolved. And people in the comments, let us know if you've got something that you need us to solve. We'll help you because aunties do know best. But word to the wise, it's just our opinion and our advice. It doesn't mean to say... I kind of want to say, don't necessarily do what we say, but just take it on board, process it for yourself and make your own decisions. We will not be held responsible or accountable. Do you understand? <laughs> for our advice. However, our advice is good, solid, strong advice. Okay. If anyone doesn't have one, should we talk about the one that we had on our page? Okay, go ahead. You can, leave, you can, you can read it. Yes, <laughs> you brought it up. Huh? That means I've got to look for it. Jeez. Well, you started it, my love. Is anyone <laughs> waiting? Auntie Sade, do you have a dilemma? I don't have one this week, unfortunately. Oh dear. So my team, my team didn't have one. <laughs> didn't have okay, one this week. Uh, okay, I was taking some pictures of some dilemmas and now I'm yeah. like, oh, where was they? Um, okay. 
Are you ready? So to... I was on our page. I've got it. Okay, okay cool. The guy I'm seeing recently told me that he has a little girl, six years old. I've always said that the one will be baby mama, children free. I really like him. What should I do? Oh, I find this argument really stressful. I will answer first. Um, not stressful. That's a lie. So dramatic. I just think that you just cannot judge a man on... Yes, you can. Shut up. I just don't think it's always the case. Do you know what I mean? It, you, it's not always going to be the case that you're the first one. I don't know what this purism, purity thing is, or this idealism is around having a man that's not got um, any children. Um, and I, and also when men say about women too, I find that annoying too. I do get, let me, let me be nice. I do understand you want to be the first and have this first experience together, but I think it's a bit idealistic. And also it's also usually tied to the fact that there's a straight assumption there's going to be baby mother drama. And for the baby mothers in the world that aren't dramatic and problematic, that's also annoying because um, there's just a, a generalization and assumption. I think you're blocking your blessings. I think it's more about the person that you're with. You have to assess if he has got children already or a child already, definitely the distance because if the baby's just been born and yes, there was a blue moon relationship that like they literally it was a mistake and blah, 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 blah. But assess the guy that you're with. And actually it's a good judgment to see how he treats his child. That's outside. That's that was, that came before you, um, your, your relationship and how he treats that child and how he interacts with the mother of his children or child at that point. It's a good gauge of um, character as well. I don't think you should rule out a guy because you wanted to be the first, because if he's a good guy, you're just a second. It doesn't mean anything. And he's going to be with you. He's not with that child's mum. So anyway, Auntie Shade. Um, I don't know, man. She wants what she wants. I just think, like, if you, if you, if you, yes, that in theory, yes, that sound, that does sound great, and everyone should be like that, but they're not. And um, I think if you get, if you get into a situation that you don't really want, there's usually a time limit on it. To be honest, so I just don't think it's. I, I don't think people change. Uh, well, they can change, but it's difficult to change those fundamentals. Do you know what I mean? Because they will always come back as a, a root argument or root reason of why you didn't want to be there in the first place. Do you know what I mean? So I think like it goes back to what I always say about 80%, isn't it? And and deal breakers. If this isn't your 80% deal breakers, then nah, just I don't, I don't think you should do it. I think you should um, look for what you actually want because it's probably out there, to be honest. Because you could you could go into that relationship and then meet the guy that hasn't got any kids. All you can do, then you put yourself maybe you know you're deep in and you know the child and stuff. Like, do you know what I mean? Like to break away from that, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot, mate. So I don't know. I, I I don't think it's. I would like to think that people can do that, but I doubt it. It's hard. And also, you know what's so funny? Yeah, because <laughs> I used to have a rule about not dating men with kids. Um, when I was younger, uh, and I remember I was with a guy. <laughs> so we still talk now, he's a cool guy. But I was with him, and he was like, I've got to tell you something. And I was just like, okay. I was just like, what's the worst thing I could possibly tell you? And I was like, you've got a kid? And he had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, at that age, and I'm talking like, mate, oh, mate I was like 18, 19, do you know what I mean? Like, that was the worst possible as far as I'm concerned. Like, I just didn't want that for myself. I think my, you know, I've changed now, but at that age, you know, why? Why am I dealing with that? I just don't, do you know, not in a bad way, but it just wasn't what I wanted. 
you know? So, yeah. Auntie Nana. Yeah, I, I agree with Auntie Sade. I think all of those points, if she's not, I mean, you have to really look at yourself and if somebody has a child and you are like, I want to take this relationship seriously, then you're also taking on that child as well. Like as a, as a, you know, to be stepmother, like, but you're going to be in the child's life in some proximity. So I think if you don't think you're equipped or want to do that role or want to take on getting to know another person as well as your partner in that way, and it's a child that just don't, don't do it. I don't I don't think we need to there's plenty of people out there really for both sides for the guy as well like actually like free him to find somebody that is okay with him having a child and then free yourself and find a partner that you really want. You don't need to go down this road. As far. Yeah, I agree with all of the above because the thing the thing is though it shouldn't be a deal breaker if you're okay with the fact that he, you know, if you're if you're prepared to take on somebody else's child in some way or form, and it doesn't necessarily need to be like as another parent, but just to be around somebody else's child and treat them with decency. If you're prepared to do that, then no, it shouldn't be a deal breaker. If you don't know how you're going to feel and behave towards that child, then step out. Because the last thing you need to do is be resentful of the child being there. And then that becomes an issue and you become the step parent from hell um, because you didn't. That wasn't your goal. You always assume that you're going to be with someone who didn't have children. If you can't adapt, then step on, move on. And, yeah, the guy might be able to find someone that suits his situation. Um, <laughs> the only reason why it would be a deal breaker for me if the guy was like future. Yeah. Guy was like future and had like ten thousand different, different women. Then, then I'd be like, no, like I'm cutting out in it. The other thing as well that I wanted to mention is that it depends how old you are too, because if you're like eighteen, then fair enough in it. But if you're forty, the chances of you finding a man who doesn't have children it gets less and less and less and less. The older yeah. you, the less it becomes likely for you to find a man who doesn't have no children, and vice versa too. That's, I mean, I think that's where I'm coming from, and the fact that not to change your whole moral, moralistic ideas, if you if that's what you believe and you really don't want one, but sometimes I feel like it sounds quite superficial, like it's like a he's got to be six foot tall, and and, and that doesn't mean to say you can't have your checklist. I, I don't think it's about um, modifying your standards just so you can say you've got a man, but I also think yeah, like there's a bit of idealism in that. Um, I don't know. I took that from this particular thing, but I think all things are considered. Yeah. You don't have to be with someone who's got a kid if that's not if that's not what you want. But I also don't think that you should just if the, if the and it's about if the guy's a good guy. If he's a good guy, and you're getting on, and you can see that he's actually again, it's a lot of ifs if he's good with his child and all that type of stuff. And you can see that it's all that, and it's not going to be problematic on that respect. Then maybe ask yourself, what is the problem? If it's just because I want to be the first person, is that worth it? Because you could meet a guy without kids and he's an asshole, as we all know. So it's just weighing up the odds and just be really true with what the reasons are behind why you don't want to have a guy with a kid already, a child already. Um, and that's it, really. I, I, yeah, definitely don't think you should compromise what your beliefs are, because, yeah, there's plenty of fish in the sea. When you get older, not so much. OK, I've got one. I found oh. it. All right. Oh, I've just cut it off. Right. OK, vulnerable moment. I just turned 33, married a little over a year, more and more, I find myself afraid of having children. Firstly, I'm conflicted, wondering if I've wanted children because I was raised to ex 
or expected to or do I actually want them? Secondly, I'm afraid of the uncontrollables. What will it do to my body, my career and my aspirations? How do you manage your heart beating outside of you with so many external factors, especially in 2021? Any advice will help. Please, no criticisms or shaming because I already deal with enough of that within myself. Auntie Farah. Where did, where, is this a internet one or is this one that this went is, to This is a, an internet one. Okay. Well, this is not the house of shame. We're not about that here. We're all love and advice that Some you can or cannot follow. Um, hmm. Okay. So nobody knows what having a child is going to do to your body until you have a child. That's one thing. You could be the girl with the flattest stomach and, you know, th- your weight never goes up and... Yeah, me too. Hey, um, your weight never goes up and then you pop out a child and your body just change it. You know, some people, they snap back and some people don't. It's just you won't know. It's one of the like you said, it's the unknown. Um, If you're married and your husband understands that you're not ready yet, then that's then that's a great thing. If he doesn't, that's a conversation for you to have. You really need to think about whether or not you want to be a parent. Um. You shouldn't, but that should have been a discussion that you had with your husband beforehand, should it not? I'm not judging, I'm just saying maybe you should have had that discussion beforehand, but equally, you shouldn't feel pressured into having a child now. You've got to be ready. That's all I've got to say. It's a big, 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 huge, large adjustment. Um, and yeah, your heart is outside of your chest daily. And I think as long as you're a parent, your heart will be outside of your chest. It doesn't matter how old, how old they are, that's always going to be the case, but also. Your heart grows so much from having them. There's so much benefits from having children. They are a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it is this unconditional love that you have. There's no way of describing it. So it's, you know, I'm a parent, so I would say that. I suppose I'm biased. (laughs) I think what you're feeling is natural. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's totally natural. I think, like, a lot of women go through that, if they're being honest. Do you know what I mean? um they go through that they have that fear um of becoming a parent for sure um and I think it's also as well I do think that it is assumed that all women want children absolutely all of them so I can see how it might not even be a conversation do you know what I mean that kind of thing because it's just assumed um but yeah I just think like just go like like Auntie Farah said like make up make up your mind personally if you want to have children, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel you need to resolve that in yourself, like, kind of thing, if that's what you actually want to do, and then discuss it with your husband um, about what you want to do, really. But if you do, then I think there's just, there's so much, I mean, it's surpri- not surprising, but uh, I feel, like, sad for you in a sense of, like, are you, you know, do you know what I mean? No shame or judgment. Because there's so many supportive groups out there. There's so many supportive women, you know, definitely like a lot of black women who are there for other black women. Do you know what I mean? When it comes to pregnancy and childbirth, like you can get a doula, all that kind of stuff. Like there's 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 a there's a ton of ton of help of communities and, and networks out there if you don't have that in your own like kind of friends or family kind of set up. Um so yeah, I think um, I think you need to. I, I think I think this. It seems like to me that it's like you're not sure within yourself what you want to do. Do you know what I mean? And also as well, if you're really not sure at the moment, I suggest you freeze some eggs. Freeze some eggs now. Do it now. 
because you're 33, do it now. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I didn't have a child at 23 and I hadn't had any children up until now, later life, what, how I would have felt because I was young and dumb and there was no time to think. I pregnant had a baby and I, I'm so, <laughs> looking back, I'm like that really scary situation and it's extremely life-changing. And there are, there's not enough handbooks in the world that can prepare you for motherhood or parenting and specifically motherhood. Because even from the minute you get pregnant and if you are invested in being a mother, the minute you get pregnant, the fear of actually carrying to term and then carrying to term and then you're giving birth and you never, you're not even told that from the moment you give birth to a child, you just don't sleep again. Like in, in the way, I mean, yeah, you might be good at sleeping, but you just, there's the part of you, like you said, your heartbeat, heart beating externally that will never rest whilst your child is around on this earth because you've just got the, your mind's eyes. If before it was you, so it was about you and now you've got to worry about someone else. There's so much that goes into it and it does, it changed me for the better, but it changed me and it really made me look at myself. And if, the, if you're not ready to deal with things about yourself and all that stuff, if you come from a traumatic background and those, it can trigger so, so much. There've been so many life triggers that reflected in the way I bring up my child that reflected from what I experienced as a child and it's a lot it's a it's a very big thing and I'm not trying to scare you out of it that sounds like I'm scaring you but it, there's a reality in the conversation and it is Auntie Shade said and others have said that there are lots of support groups and I think women are being a lot more honest especially as now feminism is taking a whole over and actually just in general conversations are being had people are being women are being more in, honest about even to the point where I had a child and I can't stack my child because it's actually a battle to be with this human being that doesn't work with me. There's real conversations about motherhood. There's real conversations about women that don't want to have kids and want to feel and actually feel okay about it and won't let themselves be shamed into it. So there's a lot more honesty about with women and motherhood and definitely maybe do, do some research and talk to somebody from a therapist to finding some mother's groups or pre-mother's groups or people to um, help you through that, make this decision. But it's definitely a conversation, no shame, no judgment, but yeah, what, there is an assumption that women want kids. So it is something that you really have to bring up quite early in a relationship with a guy because men, yeah, men can easily say, I don't want kids. Um, but there's also an assumption that, you know, a woman will want it. So they won't even ask if you want kids. It's always a woman asking, do you want kids of a man? And if a man doesn't ask you, that might be the big assumption that he just assumed that he's going to have kids with this woman no matter what. So women do have that conversation early because this might lend into a different situation, a relationship that might not lot see it through if you don't want kids adamantly. Auntie Nana. I think I have two points. Like I really feel that there's so much that goes into motherhood. I go to the side of, I think you really need to want a child to have a child. I don't feel like that wishy, oh, I'm not sure, space works. I feel like you're probably not going to be, average-wise, the best parent if you are not in the space of, I really want to have a child. So I would probably err on um, some type of therapy to work out. Uh, either to have peace with that decision that I've made, I don't want children, or to come to uh, what is that that's holding me from committing fully to having a child and just making a firm decision. But if you're in that I'm not sure space, I don't think it's the best place to have a child because it's so all-encompassing. You're either going to like sink 
or swim, but are you really going to thrive? Because there wasn't that true desire to be a mother. And um, I just feel like too often we don't really, we, we go along with what society dictates, especially in your 30s. It hits that time where you're thinking of your biological clock and probably all of your friends are having kids and you're thinking this is the natural next step, especially if you've been married. This is my natural next step. I should have children. But if it's not your all encompassing, like I, I, I yearn to be a mother, I feel like it's so much hard work. It's probably not going to be fun if you don't have that desire. I think that that desire kicks in for some people for a real reason. Like it's it's a nature drive to that you're going to take this on fully and be the best parent that you can be. And there probably is some type of therapy to work through that and accept if this isn't for you and be like uncomfortable with not being a parent. Um, and then there's a, this, there's a conversation with your husband. I do think it shouldn't be you have a child because your husband wants one. Like it, that, that's not going to work either. You will be unhappy, and your emotions are so up and down anyway. Even with truly wanting a child, it's too hard. It's too, it's too much. It's too big a responsibility to go into it. Not sure. I would prefer if somebody's not sure, don't do it. Not with parenting. Like it's it's too much. There's there's too much at stake. Really, if you are stepping into, I'm going to help and be a guidance source to this new soul, it's, there's too much responsibility in that. You can't be half. It has to be, I'm all in or I'm not. And that's fine as well, because, you know, life is, there's plenty of humans on this earth. Like, you don't actually have to keep on making them if you don't want to. It, it's fine. You you can go through and, and live your life. And you don't have to worry about legacy and who's going to carry on our name and deliver. don't get involved in all of that. There's enough humans. Like if you're not one to be making more of them, that's fine as well. You still have a purpose here. The you, purpose isn't like mother driven. That's not it. Like it's another, it's another thing to be a mother. It doesn't have to be your purpose. Yeah. Let's get the comments, please. Honey wants to say, um, okay, so Akoya says it's fair enough not to want children. If it's about your body, then you can get fit, but maybe you need to look deeper. So follow the thought. Um, uh, how was your childhood? Um, how were your caregivers? How bad or good were they? Um, what's the secret truth behind your fear? I think the world is a better place without children um, who are not loved. So if motherhood is not for you, then get comfortable with why and carry on your beautiful life. The worry of children is real and it's the worry that fucks children up. Most mothers don't know this. Um, it's life. Maybe you are more honest and realistic than who who had children. Than who? Okay, well done. <laughs> um, and uh, Ronald said something to the to the previous comment about the woman. Isn't she? Oh uh, yeah. yeah. So is, it, is also so for a previous one. Isn't she also prejudging the baby mother? There seems to be a negative moral view of the single mother, particularly black mothers. I don't think. I don't. I don't think so. 
I, I, think I, about think, guy. I think I do think that is that because there's like I said I think when I responded to the this is to the first dilemma um or first problem there isn't a thing that oh if he's got kids it's going to be a baby mother problem and I've had guys pretty much talking that way as well like oh there's going to be baby father drama and all that type of issue so there's an assumption on the there's a negativity around that apart from the idealism of like being the first there's a thing oh it's going to be baby mother drama is and I think for women the insecurity of the other woman always being around I think that's plays into because again it's that societal thing that the man is in control of everything so is his, is his head going to be turned and is how long is he going to just want to get back with his but, what, but a lot of women just want their bet for their family just to be yes. them their husband do you know what i mean their husband yes. or their partner and their children they don't want outside so that's got nothing to do i think i think that's the, the idealistic i think that's more like I think that's more ingrained because that's what we're taught in like fairy tales, right? Yes. You know what I mean, like, so it's not we we're not taught about you know kind of <laughs> baby mothers and all, that, and, the, and all the extensions and stuff and everything exactly. like that. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. But that's why there's negativity around it because we're always taught the fairy tale and then it's about the purity of it. So there's no we're not taught about the broken family or two. Like that, I think that's what's being introduced to schools about the different types of family setups that we have mm. nowadays that are not just necessarily a mum and a dad. There's so many remixes of what a family can look like. And there is a lot of negativity about the single baby mother. And that comes and then women can also internalize that and project that. And just have this vision of oh the baby mother's gonna be wanting his attention and I want it's fully focused on me. So it's not the be all and end all reasoning but there's another portion of people that think like that as well as the idealism as well as just wanting to have their own um start something fresh which is perfectly reasonable but there is the negative connotations of oh that the baby mother is going to be causing problems and probably wants him back it's just it's all there's, there's so many different reasons and versions of why but yeah okay that's it auntie's new best we do know <laughs> um, and now we're moving on for the culture girls what's happening in the culture, for the culture. What are we going to talk about, please? For the culture. Um, yeah, okay, do you want me to lead with it? Yeah, I'm You know what, to be honest, um, this, the Danny Lee style, I'm going to say it in the way I know because I've paid it marginal attention. So it, for the culture is, there's a lot of, col colorism never goes away, shadism never goes away. And it's something that's the bane of our existence as black people. Um, we know where it comes from. We know why it happens. But it's just annoying that it, it's constantly regurgitating different manifestations about colorism, light skin versus dark skin, yada, yada, yada. So recently, uh, I, don't know, I don't even know who she I'd never even heard of her before. She's a rapper or a singer. Danny Lee, she's of Dominican heritage, but she's white presented. So she's not Afro-Latina. She's Latina. Dominican. 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 What did I say? Dominican, Dominican. is me. Sorry? She's Dominica, Dominica Dominican. So Domin Santa Dominica. Domin okay, sorry, my bad. My bad. That, not Dominica. Not okay. Dominican. Okay. Dominican. She's sorry. No, it's fine because no, I'm, I'm talking, isn't it? So Domin I told you, I didn't know this story very well. She's Dominican. So it's different from being Dominican. So there's that. So anyway, she, she's white, Latina. Yes. Yeah. That's what I understand. And she made a song. Can't don't know what the song is called. I basically celebrated Yellow Bone. It's called Yellow Bone. Yeah. And Yellow Bone is a linguistic term for being light skinned, um, but usually applied to black people, not necessarily applied to people who are not black. You know, because you're either white or not. So the song's called Yellow Bone. P 
people have said it's not a great song and it's just highlighting and celebrating the fact that she's light skin or yellow bone, as you call it, red bone, yellow bone, red skin, all that type of stuff. So it's caused lots of controversy. People say it's disrespectful. It's glorifying a situation that's problematic within our community. And if you make a song about being light skin, you're executing light skin privilege and in your separate, you're continuing the separation that happens and the divide that happens because generally throughout history, darker skinned women especially have been on the back foot when it comes to beauty, being taken seriously and just upheld, especially by our men. So the conversation around that is, I guess the question is, because again, I wasn't planning to lead on this one, but I guess the question for me, and I think Auntie Farah, you had um, something that Zizi Mills said, is what what's wrong with Danny Lee? And already I, I've got an answer because she's white, but already, but in the general terms, what's wrong with a light-skinned woman celebrating her skin tone? And is it should it always be seen as negativity? But we'll have to talk about it in two separate things because that because Danny Lee is obviously not a black woman. Um, I've just but, sorry, I've just sent you the the um the the song on okay. like the Instagram link in the group, so I think it'll be interesting to play. Okay, cool. Let's talk amongst yourselves whilst I <laughs> line up the CD and <laughs> the tape. Yeah. Jim wants to take a bit of time. Sorry, can't get through right now. Okay. Do you want me to start? I, I, I was just about to say. Oh, I've got it now. Okay. Okay, I'm a second. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> oh, here we go. Hold on. Here we go. One sec. What do you Oh, sorry, my bad. Go ahead. Yellow bonus, what do you want? What do you want? Yellow bonus, what do you want? What do you I mean, I don't know how much we can play before we get locked off. No, no, no. That's saying that's yellow enough. bone is what he wants. Yellow yeah. bone is what he wants. What he wants. What yeah. Yellow bone is what he Okay, that's the song. Right. So let's go. Let's go. Get into it. Auntie, Auntie Shelley has to give you a break from talking. Auntie Farah. Well, the song's, the song's shit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> I purposely didn't listen to it. I saw all the all the hype and everyone chatting and shit like that, and I kind of like read what the song was about rather than listen to the song. But the song shit. It's a shit song. Like I don't know what to say. Like, but you said we're talking about this in two parts, isn't it? So I the first part is because the question the question remains to say. Well, because she's Danny Lee is white, so we can well, talk. She's not about white. She's oh, Latina. She's Latina. Sorry. Okay, but. But then we have the Latinas that present as white. She's she's a white Latina. She's not Afro. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's not Afro. Yeah. 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 So she's she's a white woman. We just have to have the word Latina to make it clear that she's not a whatever type person. So she's white and she's making a song about red bone. Why is she stepping into this space? I guess she's yellow she's, bone, not red. Yellow bone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever the case, she's a yellow bone, red bone, red girl, whatever. But she's not uh, any, any of those things because she's Latina. Unless yeah. Latinas, I don't know if Latinas actually have that call themselves red. Should yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, he's not tap. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, come on, go on. No, I was going to say she's she. Even if they did, she's not tapping into that. She's tapping into. Um, mixed race black girls girl. or yeah. black black girls. Right. That's what yeah. she's doing. Yeah. Right. She's she's black fishing as well. She makes her scene look darker. Like mm. she wants. It's, it's just like 
she's got race dysmorphia. Like you're not black, darling. You're just I not. Agree, you know I mean? But she wants. She wants. She wants to be. She wants to be, and she's she's done this. She's made this track, which is terrible, and I think it's terrible on purpose. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's just it's just for attention. That's what it seems, yeah. and it just so happens that I think um, she's with a rapper called The Baby, and he left his last girlfriend for her. I think all his baby mothers are dark skin, and she's. Do you know what I mean? So she's playing into this. She's playing into that role, and she's playing into that that um you know he wants me do you know what i mean she, you, what you were talking about <laughs> just in the other segment kind of thing she's playing into that role and she's putting she's putting colorism into the mix for someone that's just not in the culture i think this is psychotic to be honest like yeah. i think it's the same issues as hilaria um, do you know what I mean? Rachel Dozier, whatever her name is, like it's the same. They're, they're, they're all in the same big bag. She just happens to be, you know, do you know what I mean? Trying to get into the culture by way of the baby. Do you know what I mean? That that's what yeah. she's trying to do, and it's just, you know, it's so. Z, I think the way ZZ framed it in terms of like light-skinned girls being able or, or mixed-race girls being able to, you know, praise themselves and whatever kind of thing. I think, yeah, I don't see a problem with that. There's nothing wrong with that, but, like, not at the expense of anybody else. That's that's just what it is. It's, I think it's super simple. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I just don't... I, I don't get why it's so hard. But she was... She wanted to hear from... People, so I get, uh, you know, do you know what I mean? And how people feel who kind of fit into that category, and yeah, like I think most of the comments I saw were sensible comments. I didn't see any kind of wild stuff, but that's mainly women. And I think this nonsense that you, the negativity that comes with it, is usually from what I see from men. Do you know what I mean? So I don't think the the problems with colorism are. <laughs> I don't want to say that, but I see a lot of it coming from men. Unfortunately, I do. So, and even the baby, yeah. Even with this, he's commented emojis, like yeah. emojis under this. So you're making a pop. You're not telling her to pull it down. You're not telling her. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. You're giving her agency. You're giving her space to to do this and think that's okay. Her apology was terrible. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just like this is this is not you. you they fully know. So I'm talking for ages now, but anyway, let me last point. Um, they fully know what the backlash was going to be. They done it on purpose for attention. Do you know what I mean? So maybe she'll get. I don't know if she is already, but maybe she'll get one of these reality shows. Maybe she'll get picked up or something. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it, it seems like a strategy. It seems like a marketing strategy to me, and it's disgusting. Auntie Nana. Well, I was gonna, sorry, I wasn't finished. <laughs> what, what I was going to say is that if she didn't have the baby as her boyfriend, she probably would have felt no reason to do this because let's face it, people have heard more about her since she started dating him than before. She's got a song with Chris Brown. She's done a few other bits and pieces. I think she's been around for a while, but people have not been talking about her, how they've started talking about her now. And you're absolutely right. It is the, it's, She's on the same level as Rachel and what's the other woman? H Hilarious. She's on the same level as them with trying to claim something that isn't necessarily hers. Um, the, ZZ Mil, the ZZ Mills thing, 
I saw that too and I thought like it was interesting in the comments. I'm glad that people were respected, respectful, but you're a hundred percent right. This comes more from men. I think as black women, we are more respectful of each other than you know, we've got to a place now, I'd like to think anyway, where we're more respectful of each other than in like say the eighties or whenever it was, the early nineties where it was a thing to look a certain way. But um, men still to, seem to per perpetuate that in videos, in films, in whatever. They seem, you know, they, they run this shit, don't they? And they seem to perpetuate that negative stereotype about black women, um, darker black women or women of a certain hue. Someone mentioned about um, Beyonce and her brown skin girl song, talking about all the people, sh talking and showing people of all different hues. The song that was out the other day with the rapper, what was her name, Auntie Nana? You put it out before. And it was a paying black girls in oh, yeah, her yeah, yeah. she represented all the different hues and talks about all the different hues. You get that more from women than you do from men. So, yeah, there's something to be said about that. I don't know. The, the thing that I found interesting with this um, was how it spread into various rooms on Clubhouse and lots of people talking about colorism, and then also the um that clip that came out with the fat guy rick ross and his show uh -huh. and they had that girl that obviously couldn't sing but fit the kind of video girl stereotype to the dark skin girl that really could sing and people kind of being like look but this is this is all a part of colorism as well and that seems so contrived it it really feels like Oh, so people are using colorism to troll. Like, so, you know, like, so in the same way, lots of brands will use like insensitive racism and then everybody goes at them. But then the, the digital footprint is there because you've got black people talking about you and that's marketable. It feels like this is the same thing. So it's like colorism is now something to talk about. Oh, let's be relevant. And let's put out this track that a lot of black people are going to be like, this is trash and this is wrong. And you're perpetuating these stereotypes. And it, it's like, it, it feels like trolling, like literally like, oh, people are really capitalizing on our emotions again. And we're giving our emotions to them again. And I would, I really want folks to start, like instead of like really going into each other and having arguments because that's what i was seeing on clubhouse is real arguments with people bringing up their old wounds of when i was in school and i was teased this way and then you'll have light skin girls coming on and it's like yeah but i was bullied and my family didn't accept it and it's just like it's so toxic from both sides everybody has kind of been played and there's people that are playing us and making money from it. And it just felt like nobody's seeing how this girl, she isn't even black and is just weaponizing black people against each other. And she's not getting the stick for being a white woman coming into this space. And even aside from her being there, nobody's going at the baby like, why are you bringing this woman into our culture to be able to, to celebrate this song in any way or any other person within the culture saying to this couple that you two are a problem like this isn't okay it just feels really like uh, yeah there's like a helplessness to this because you see it keep on going round and we keep on being used 
and I'm definitely not uh, a dark-skinned woman that is, um, I feel sometimes there's this kind of like apologetic kind of, let's not talk about colorism stance that I saw a lot of dark-skinned women having and, and men, and even watching Joe Budden and Mal, who is the black guy on it, being like, oh, but it's just preference. Like there's, an, and it's like, that's not okay. It's not okay to kind of brush off colorism because it hurts and nobody wants to talk about it. But there's definitely a point where it's being used to stir up emotion again with black people because we're not really dissecting it properly so that it's it's not a, a trigger. Like really this girl should just be cancelled in the full sense of how cancelling should be like used. Like nobody should be supporting her in any way because she's basically a white woman stirring up racial tensions and she's not a part of the culture. But instead of that, it feels like there's just this ongoing argument between dark skin and light skin that never seems to have a, a, an understanding from both ways where we can start to move forward. I mean, yeah, pretty much. Um, I think in regards to, I'm getting tired as well of the colorism conversation and it's not being had properly. I think we spoke a while back about men not dealing with, black men specifically, not dealing with the reasons why they date, go out with white women. The ones that are dating white women because they think it's a preference, but actually deep down they know it's not. Um, we don't, when black men don't have that conversation, I've not seen anyone genuine, any black men genuinely have the conversation about why they date light-skinned girls or why they date white women and girls or whatever. Um, because it's like, it's a level of emotion that they don't want to deal with because we always get told like, oh, stop being sensitive. It doesn't matter. It's just preference and it's very surface. And then it is left to the women to bitch amongst ourselves and be whining and cussing each other. Because I do, I, women perpetuate it too on both sides. Um, there is an element of, I, I, maybe I'm biased because there's a bit more defensiveness from dark women and then there were lights women that might execute their privilege, but also this needs to be validated on, on both. It's, it's a both sides thing. It, it, whatever side you're on, it, it, it can have more emotion or weight for you on that side. Um, and I also am getting really tired of this dark skin victimhood thing that now it's like you have to say like, because even I, it's interesting that um, we, we talked about Amanda who did the, um, the speech did she say um, dark skin girl in her, at the beginning of her poet, poem at, um, in inauguration? She said, was she, did she say dark skin woman descendant of slaves or something like that? I can't remember. I'm not sure. I didn't hear that. I can't remember if she mentioned dark skin, but I think sometimes in our language it's like dark skin and it's like a, try, a, a thing to overcome. And I try and just Yeah, like a heaviness. Despite <laughs> me being dark skin. And I'm, I'm really tired of carrying that burden. And it, sometimes I try, I fight not to say it in conversations or things that I do not to lead with that because it's not even a thing because it's not that it's not a thing. It has affected me, but not in the way that it's this black trauma pain that we carry. And we have to like, yes, I overcome life, even despite my dark skin. It's just so tiring. And I don't want that anymore. I want, and I can understand why people see that victim and want to back away from it. And then it just becomes tiring for everybody mm. and the expectation of being sad and guilty about being dark skin or being guilt feeling guilty because you're light skin it becomes tiring and a burden that we don't need to deal with this woman she doesn't she's irrelevant she's a eda and the thing is she's being validated by the baby from when he brought her into the culture it's the same like Iggy azalea to be honest yeah. like get them all gone and usually they've all been ushered in 
by a black man in some way, type of way. Some black man validated them and they're there walking around, stepping on the culture like they have every right. And we're left arguing amongst each other. I can't stand it. She needs to go. He needs to dump her and just think about his life. Like, fuck off. Um, and the reference point about Beyonce, that brown skin girl, I think someone was saying brown skin girl is like for dark skin girls. I mean, it's not, it was a celebration of all shades. It was a brown skin girl, specifically in the title, brown skin girl, celebrating all shades of blackness, which we sh- is what we should be doing. And then the final point about light skin girls being able to sing or celebrate their skin tone. And in, in contrast to dark skin girls talking about their skin tone as a, a, a affirmation, that's just literally what it is. And I, unfortunately, this is when I'm like, you can't sing a song about I'm light skin because the whole reason why people talk about being dark skin is because it's been pushed down. So you can celebrate yourself and your beauty, but the minute you step into saying my man lights because I'm red light skin, I don't hear songs. I, I, I mean, I don't know every single song, but I don't necessarily hear dark skin women singing songs that I'm my man lights because I'm dark skin and the benefits of being dark skin put me on a higher pedestal. It's more like encouraging the fact that I'm dark skin and it's not been a hindrance. Whereas when the minute you start saying I'm light skin, it comes with an attitude, a privilege and a preference and a status positioning. And that's why, unfortunately, sorry, there's so many other words and lyrics and stuff you can write. Sorry, was Daisy talking about people singing it? I think she was just talking about people saying and celebrating well, themselves. Well, we're talking about music, so I'm talking from that. No, no, but you just referenced that to Zizi, so that's the only reason. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I think it's all facets of it, all angles of the fact that you're so. I think, and as I'm saying that, you can celebrate yourself, whether it's a music or whatever, because I think there's, I think I'm saying music, but there's not many other platforms where you would necessarily say, where talking about your skin tone would be necessary. Do you know what I mean? Like, unless you're. It's a music. I don't think that's what she meant. I just think she meant, uh, uh, in reference to Zizi, I think she was just saying, if you want to celebrate your skin tone, is there a problem with you? With yeah, I'm, and I'm, my, point, my point is that on what outlet, what other outlet would you, and it's a discussion, what other outlet would you lead with your skin tone in, in any other way, but in any other arena apart from beauty or um, music? But then I don't know what other industry or business you would say that's why i think it was it stemmed from the conversation the song so i'm assuming mm-hmm. that that's what she's in general referencing because in general bigging up yourself you can do that yeah you're confident in yourself in your day-to-day but you don't but you wouldn't walk around and walk into a room and say i'm light-skinned it doesn't make sense it's just no, but like say like you were posting a picture and somebody wanted to say something in okay. reference to look how golden i look right now or some shit like that i think, you they should work. Work. I think yeah you picture like go on I was just going to say, I think that that was part of it, that people should be able to celebrate whatever tone they are. And there are some people that necessarily wouldn't because they may feel like, like you said, many, many times, um, you know, people have, there's been a stereotype and obviously there is such a thing as light skin privilege and people should be very conscious of trying to make out like they're better than one. No one's better than anybody else, basically. So there's that, people are conscious of that. But she, I think what I got from what she said is that she was asking do you feel like you can't make those statements because of a backlash? Yeah, and I think even when you said um, golden, there's different things you can say that makes it that sensitive to the situation at hand. And mm. I think it's using words like red bone and certain terminologies that are derived from the division, I think that's where people mm. have to be conscious. I don't think there's anything... Yeah. If you're golden, you've got a you look golden and you look like... That's what I'm talking about. And you look like butter or you look like chocolate or you look like molasses or you look like almonds. Whatever the fuck you want to say, you can use all the descriptive words you like. The minute it steps into the space where you're using terminologies and phrases that you know come from the division and the playing on our insecurities, 
that's when I'm sorry, you cannot use those terms or you should not use those terms because you know where it comes from. Because all yeah. this stuff actually comes from men deciding we're going to pick out these people and celebrate them in and music. It came from music and on screen, but that, oh, she's light skin, whatever. And well, it didn't come from that, did it? No, no, no. I'm talking about, we know the history. I'm talking about slave, obviously this divisions, but I'm talking about where we've taken it on as a community and a culture where now it's become, you don't necessarily get white people saying it right now, like you're light and you're dark skin. It's us. So we know the history of it that it's come from slavery. Yeah, they, they just push it in other ways. They push it in the way of the privilege and who, who appears on screen and that type of stuff because well, we do it. more palatable for them to be on screen than, they, you know. Exactly. I feel, but also, I feel like, especially when you talk about media, in the UK, there are more dark-skinned women in, on screen, especially on, 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 media, on UK TV shows, that where we have visibility, whereas actually in our own productions, we perpetuate colorism a lot more in our own productions. And that's why I'm like, the, you, white people are white people, they're going to white, they're going to racism, they're going to do what they're doing. And I'm not saying discount them when it, we address it then, but we don't let ourselves stay within our community say, what are we doing to each other? And we don't have, it's, it's the men. We don't have that honest, men don't have that honest conversation. They don't deal with the fact that there's a reason why, or even if it's just that they admit, society has influenced me, this is why I go for this type of person. And I haven't done the, I, I can't bother to do the homework to unpack that because I just want what I want. We never get that level of honesty. It's always like, it's just a preference. And then you lot are just bitter, shut the fuck up. And they continue it. That's the part where, I kind of don't care about what white people do at this point because we are actually now doing it and continuing it ourselves. So I want to deal with us in the mix and that's what it is. So you can celebrate your skin tone all day long, but when you use the terminologies that come from the division, then you'll have to be held accountable and just think like what you're doing is not helpful. And uh, let's get some comments, please. You want me to still shard? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm here now. Um, Candy says, uh, Danny Lee ain't white. <laughs> uh, Charlene says, I think it uh, becomes problematic when it's used to infer, super, infer superiority over one colour skew and disempower dark skin black women. It's used to be controversial and provocative. Um, Candy says, when Beyonce did Brown Skin Girl, it covered black girls in all our hues. Um, Beverly says there's a Domin Dominique. Oh, sorry, Dominique. Domin <laughs> Dominica. <laughs> oh my God, Dominica. Yeah. <laughs> and there's Dominican Republic. Yeah. The former one doesn't apparently identify as black. Uh, Charlene says uh the strong is the song is extremely bad candy says uh so danny's song was not needed the worst part of it is saying he likes yellow bone knowing full well how damaging that has oh, she likes uh, yeah, he likes yellow bone knowing full well how damaging that has been to black women for centuries aquaya says why are you helping to give this woman coverage um poker black is such an old game Real black people should stay out of this space. The song is shit. Lots of exclamation marks. Um, white South Americans acting black should be left in their white space. All we should do is laugh. Um, it doesn't. It does not say anything useful or even interesting about blackness or racism. I've met the kinds of men who only like light skinned girls. They are sad because of their internalized racism. We wouldn't want them anyway. 
real black women, it's time for <laughs> the big girl pants again and ignore these people trying to be us. Uh, Red Border says black women need to stop validating these people by commenting and engaging. They will soon lose their value. Um, Akoya responds to that, says, fair point, we give them validation and make them cool or popular. Uh, Charlene says, I think it's trendy youth culture. I think in trendy youth culture, this is acceptable and all um, and all marketing. Um, and I agree. It is uh, glorified by men and weaponized by those who are threatened by any celebration of blackness. Uh, Ronald said, it's not just men. I have a light skinned friend who was drunk tonight. I remember a woman looking at him and saying, that's a shame. All that yellow wasted on him. Oh, wow. Uh, Akoya says they can trigger us because we have yet to acknowledge our grief about race and racism so everyone can trigger us. The work black people need to do is personal and singular. There is no, there is a bigger conversation here and it's not about colorism, although it, it's all about color. Redwater says my skin color is not my burden. It is the burden of the people who have problem with it. Uh, Beverly says a lot of black people seem to have um, have endorsement from Caucasians and it's evident in uh, in the consumerism of products. Some things are only acceptable when Caucasians have endorsed them. Charlene says, but look at the character of the men validating these women. Nicola says, Amanda said, oh, this is uh, the quote from uh, her poem. Uh, where a skinny black girl descended from, say, slaves and raised by a single mother. Uh, and she says, uh, oh, sorry, no, Charlene says, these terms are historically loaded. Uh, and Redwater says they're certainly, type of, uh, a, a, they're certainly a type of man that endorses these women. Candice, ooh, there. Candice says, not... Um, saying it's not a problem here but america has black communities more divided because of the one drop rule colonizers have used colorism against us and effective generations they don't um, understand where their bias really comes from the conversation should not stop we cannot let another generation perpetuate colorism charlene says i have to have i've 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 yeah. i had to have a conversation with my daughter about that no need to say you're a lighty on your Snapchat. They can see your hues, uh, your hue <laughs> teens. She says. Ronald said another anecdote. I have a relative who is one of eight children out of the oldest four. She is not only she is not only one who is not light skin. Hmm? I think she's not oh. the only one. She's oh, not, she's not only, hmm? not the only one that is not light-skinned. She likes to point out the people who are darker than she is. Okay, oh, she's the only one that's not light that is light-skinned. Okay. And then she, uh, Ronald's agreeing with Candice. Yes. Yeah, I just, I, just on the back of, I just saw, you know, people saying women validate, women validate, but it's the men that push them into the limelight in the, in the celebrity sense, in the music industry. It hasn't been, I don't know of a black woman um, who's brought forth a light skin or a fake black woman to then promote her and make her into a superstar 
as they as black men have done the producers and the managers and all that type of stuff so i hate the fact that it's always put on us to sort it out because the loudest voice in the room is usually the men and they lead with their actions so do you, oh sorry do you think that um uh, that dark-skinned men are seen as 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 more desirable than light-skinned men because yeah. i think dark-skinned men are seen as more desirable so i think it's the opposite for men than it is for yeah women. Yeah, yeah exactly. there's that whole joke in it. It's like our oh, light skins are going to come back. Like that, there's that man male joke that they make. Yeah. So yeah, but if you think about that comment that um, Ronald put in that his friend that happened to his friend, that's mm. exactly it. Like the yellow being wasted on the man. It's like yeah. actually it would have been more valuable if his coloring went to a woman mm. and he was darker. It's like it's a waste of the light skin on a on a man. Mm. And definitely, I think that's why a lot of dark-skinned men can still, they still get it. They they still don't want their children to be dark, though. Yep. So there's still something in it, but it's not in the same, it's not as detrimental, I think. um, It's not as life-threatening as it can be for a black woman. Yeah. So there's still a leeway, but they, you know that there's something in it because they don't also want their children to be dark. And I think that's the thing where they're able to co-sign a lot of lighter skinned people for you don't want it to carry on. Like there's, there's, a, there's a real innate, I don't want this to continue. Like I don't want there to be more dark skinned people. So th- th- that's where it gets muddied. And if you think of that woman, I think it was a few weeks ago, we brought up the academic that lied about being a Latina. Yeah. yeah. And there were so many black women along her way that were like, this woman's lying. Like, she's not a Latina. She's, she, she's white else she could be Jewish. And it was a black man who was highly respected that backed it for her for years. That had to do, and it was such a flimsy apology to the community, just like, I'm it was a half sorry, she fooled me type of thing. But it's like he left out that for years he'd been told by black women she's lying and he was removing people from projects. And I think it's that type of thing. It's like there, there's a conversation in it, but too many black men want to always be like, oh, whenever black women talk about it, we're angry, we're bitter, what you're delusional. It's just like we've made this up. Yeah, um, we have to move on, but I, I've got so much to say about the black men perspective. Um, but yeah, well, we are going to be carrying on this conversation on Clubhouse at 10 p.m. So when we finish the show, you take a break, have a snack, and then come and join us on Clubhouse at 10 p.m. where we'll extend our aunties could never discussion um, definitely about this and um, with our aunties after dark session on Clubhouse 10 p.m. So we have to move on. Sorry, guys, but thank you for your contributions. And guys, what's made you sad, mad, and glad this week? Watch Nicola getting in straight away. (laughs) (laughs) She knows what's next. (laughs) Bless you, Nicola. Bless you, bless you, bless you. So guys, um, and people in the comments, please, uh, Nicola's already said what's made her sad and mad. Um, But what's made you sad and mad this, sad, mad, and glad this week? And I do like the transgression from sad to mad to glad. Can we end on a high note? So let us know in the comments. Um, I'll go to Auntie, who looks less ready? <laughs> Auntie, Auntie Nana. <laughs> Please go to somebody else. I have none. I'm ready. Auntie, Auntie Shade. Okay, cool. So sad is Kobe and Gianna Bryan 
that one year death anniversary today. Very sad to be reminded of all that, and I think it was like the kind of like point. I think that that's like my trigger point in like twenty twenty was going to be a seriously like bad year. To be honest, do you know what I mean? Kind of thing. So that was sad. That's making me sad. I don't really have a mad at the moment. I actually don't. Um, I am glad, however, that this racist guy called Jake Henderson who was um, caught on camera, you know, when Preeti Patel, uh, what is she, secretary or something? I don't even know her job title. But she's one of our politicians. She was on TV and he was, like, saying to camera, you know, that he's not going to take any advice from blacks or Asians and he believes that they're under, under, um, they should be under white people and he's been fired. I was very glad, very happy. And that's you saying it nicely. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You said it very nicely compared to what he actually said. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But in, even in his apology, he did say that he stands by what he said. So I'm just like, good. Lose your job, bro. Don't ever get another one. Do you know ever. what I mean? <laughs> what a dickhead, Auntie Farah. Yeah, he's an absolute cock. Um, so my sad is uh, this week my family we lost um. Uncle Dave, Mr. Dave, as we like to call him, who was my granddad's brother, my granddad's eldest brother. And he was like in his 90s and he passed. And it's very sad. Hadn't seen him for a long time. Um, but he was just like the shorter version of my granddad. So I feel like that's like one of the last ties to my granddad. So it's quite sad. Um, very sad. Um, I'm glad that. No, let's go to mad. So I'm mad because I, I finally just lost the shit with my neighbor, my upstairs neighbor who plays music and volume and te- her television is at the loudest possible volume and it's 24 hours a day 24 oh. hours a day and it's to the point where i feel like i'm in the room with her and i have to question if she's deaf or not like because how can you be what, what's going on with you so that made me very mad to the point where i wrote a very long note and i went upstairs and i banged on the door and i shoved it in her letterbox and then I came back downstairs and I was fuming. So that's my mad. I'm glad because she's actually fucking listened to me and yeah. she's turned her shit down. And I no longer feel like me and her are sharing a flat. So that's yeah. my glad. Wonderful. Auntie Nana. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I've got a sad now. I'm definitely um, sad about Kobe and just like the level of people losing people around me as well. It's just been so many notes on Facebook of people losing parents and yeah it's been like a a long a long week of lots of people losing especially fathers for some reason so that's been quite sad there's nothing I've been mad about that I can think of um Boris did something that was maddening but I can't think what it was no Brexit Flipping Brexit and charges from the European Union is absolutely royally pissing me off where at this moment I'm considering probably not sending to any countries in Europe at this moment until I get some clarity on how much my customers are going to be charged because it's just not worth the hassle in the emails that come through. Um so yeah, that's that's pissing me off. Then I can't get actually lots of things have made me mad. So I, I buy my prints from Belgium and Holland. I haven't been able to do that. 
shops are flipping clothes so i'm really running on a skeleton service of head wraps when it's the best time for people to buy head wraps because they can't get to a flipping hairdressers so this is just royally pissing me off and then it reminds me of when i went to parliament a few years ago when they were doing the consultations for brexit and um i was a part of a delegation of small businesses this is precisely what we said we didn't want to happen was that if you if you leave and you don't have a seamless trade deal with the European Union, we're going to have to do these forms like we do for America and people are going to have to pay duty until you sort out your ish. And we was assured by this bank of MPs that this absolutely was not going to happen. And here we are, it's happened. So that pissed me off. Um, I'm glad to be alive <laughs> in 2021. And... Um, I'm hoping that with the stretch of time and hindsight, let's give it a few years, I'll look back at this time and be able to be like, wow, you lived through a pandemic. Like, what a story to tell your grandchildren. So that warms my heart and makes me feel happy. Um, my sad is definitely the loss of my daughter's friend, Deborah. She was a lovely girl and was a really good friend to my daughter. And... Um, having to watch my child go through this level of grief that I haven't seen her do before. And uh, it's just been really sad. Um, and then learning just yesterday that Deborah's dad also passed, just sending in lots of love and condolences to her family. And yeah, this shit is shitty and it's horrible. Um, uh, yeah, it's just made me very sad this week. Uh, and mad documentary called African Apocalypse. I finally watched it. It's, you should watch it, but it's just going to make you mad, so maybe not. It's no. basically, I'll try and say it quickly, it's um, a documentary about a British Nigerian poet, called an activist called Femi Nylanda. He went to Oxford University, and he basically read a book by Joseph Conrad, which is an old Polish-British writer from the 1800s, and this book's called The Heart of Darkness, which focuses on um, the barbarity inflicted on the people of Niger in West Africa by a French army captain called Paul Voulet. Now, Obama has said that this book helped him understand why white people are afraid of black people, I guess. So then in the documentary, Femi goes to Niger um, to find out more about the legacy of Captain um, Paul Voulet. And it just it just explores the because I think he went in thinking, wondering if he's bringing his Western anger as we in the West can be very angry about things. But we're not actually experiencing the direct result if you don't like, if, you know, the Niger people are actually living the result, the direct result of it immediately. And um, just as horror stories, the way this man was a brute, he brutalizes people, he tortured these people, he, just to get rubber, like to, for them to, you know, get slavery, basically, colonialism, for them to turn over rubber and stuff like that. I could barely watch it all. Um, and they have footage, there's another, there's actual video footage of the slaves basically working for this horrible, horrible man. And um, it's just, I'm so, it just made me so angry about the, the truth of history being taught to us that these people, you know, this is French people upholding their victoriousness and in and, and the fact that the country's still paying reparations or paying mm -hmm. reparations to people that enslaved them and have destabilized the country. And the fact that we're Africa and Caribbeans are called third world countries and spaces because of your Western destabilization. The, the documentary, documentary made me so angry. Um, so that's what's made me mad. But it was also one to watch because it's history. And um, I, I commend Femi for taking this journey because I don't even know how I would have been able to. He spelt to lots of elders. 
who had stories, you know, the one guy was like, his mother was on the run from the colonialists and she was pregnant with him. And, you know, they and then it actually fed into Boko Haram and then speaking to the girls who lost some of, you related to some of the girls that were stolen. And it's just the chain of events where they talk about Boko Haram being such this big, horrible terrorist group, but they stem their violence and their warped mentality comes from what they experience. All the, it's just, I don't know. You've got to watch it for your history, but it's horrible. I, it's, you have to go to the website or just Google African Apocalypse and see where you can watch it. I think you kind of, it's available and that's it. It's a BFI player in the UK. I don't know where you can watch it in any other country. Just watch it, but watch something lighthearted afterwards because it will make you pissed off. Um, what's made me glad is I think definitely trying to celebrate life the best we can and having the great support network that I have in friends and um, my immediate family. I just, you guys are all priceless to me right now because in this weird time, no better being able to lean on people closest to me. And I really appreciate and I'm very glad for my support, my friendship networks, especially. That's it. So, have we all done that? Can I get the comments quickly? Yes, please get the comments. Yeah, um, Nicola says, uh, sad and mad, um, aunties, yes, I'm jealous, how was Clubhouse? Um, glad um, to see your amazing growth. Uh, you are a wonderful treat to my Tuesdays. Thank you, Nicola. Uh, Charlene also says, a good show. Thank you. And then says, sad, um, I'm still having to isolate nearly a year on. Um, mad because I can't travel in March and glad I found your show. Aww. And um, Candice, true. Iola, Nicola and Ronald are new condolences, Clara. Um, and can you ask for what's the name of the documentary again? African Apocalypse. I think, let me, I'll get the trailer and put it in the comments. Okay, cool. And Ronald said, this has been a great show. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Ronald. So much. Sorry, I'm trying to multiply. 100 messages. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for putting Auntie Shade to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm dyslexic, so this is, this is a challenge for me, man. Please, please go easy on me next week, guys. <laughs> An extension of my glad is the fact that, um, Auntie Shade, I'm glad you said it, that you know, you are you are dyslexic and the fact that you take on the challenge and I think it's, it's inspirational. So that's a glad inspiration. Thank you. Thank you. Thank definitely, you. definitely. Because it, is, it isn't easy and, and you do it well. Oh, you thanks, do. guys. Um, I'm trying to multitask. I've wrap up. I want to give this thing. Can some... Oh, no, hold on. Does someone else want to wrap up? Do I need to wrap up? Okay. Thank you. That has been your Aunties Could Never. We will be on Clubhouse at 10pm. Please join us. And if you can't join us for whatever reason, and I know it's annoying, I'm, I get you for those who don't have an iPhone, solidarity, Android solidarity. But join us if you can, 10 p.m. We'll be continuing the conversations about some of the topics we've, we've covered and maybe some new things. It's just an informal chat with us ladies. Um, and otherwise, join us every Tuesday, as usual, 5 p.m. UK time on Facebook and YouTube. And then the podcast, the audio version, goes out on a Saturday morning and you can listen whilst you're do your Saturday cleaning or something like that. Um, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Auntie Farah wants to say something. Just before you go, Boris is on my hit list again. Boris okay. and the Minions are on my hit list. And that's because I heard a little rumour that this lockdown shit could go on until fucking July. And I swear down, if this goes on until July, I might literally, you, you lot might have to come visit me in jail. But you can't visit me in jail because you can't come out and see me. So I'm really annoyed. But I saw some. Sorry, I saw something about it being. He said, "Oh, maybe there'll be some lifts in February." So, no, 
No, well, they rumors, you know, like they let out rumors before yeah, they come true. out and do their speech and say yeah. some old shit. So those are the rumors that I'm hearing. It mm-hmm. might not be all. It might don't take my word for gospel, but Jesus Christ, something's going to go down if it goes on I that think the, I think the July date is for when they expect that the, the July sixth September is the period they expect all the vaccines, their vaccine process to be done by. But I think they will tear it beforehand. I think what they need to do, they need to open the schools. Because he's on my hit list. Because I can't take it no more. I'm just being serious. I'm being honest. Like, I love my child. But, you know, I can't take it. I'm not a teacher. Yeah. Schools is going to be after Easter holidays. Oh, please don't. Why? 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 You're just going to drop her off at the gates. Do you know what? I might use my key worker status. Because technically, I'm a key worker. Because I'm broadcasting. Because I feel sorry for her to have to go and she's in the class and she's learning what she's basically the same as homeschooling. So what's the like? Do you know what I mean? What's the point of that? But I might have to try it. She might just have to go with her laptop. Her I, I, I feel for you guys with one child because that's a lot. At least with the boys, they have each other. I think if I had one, I'm sure somehow Russ could have that key worker status thing with the BBC. Mm. Like, I, I would do it, honestly. But then, I would do it, personally. And then they're in, they're in a room with maybe like three other children and they're yeah. basically doing what they would do at home. So, yeah. But it's just no, having right. those other kids there that like, I, I think is important. So yeah. Saying that, um, a friend of my, my assistant who's got two kids, she said the older one instigates and troubles the second one because the second one's younger. So she's feeling like, well, why do I have to concentrate if he's running around? So then they get into mix and she causes trouble. So sometimes having two isn't a benefit. Whatever the case is, I am sorry, but my child is 21. Whatever. You're, you're my daughter's godmother. Step up. <laughs> you, you need to be taken for a few days. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you're on my hit list. <laughs> I'm calling your opinion. Godmothers that don't actually godmother. <laughs> I'm not for any time. Listen, I'm a future inspiration. I'm working hard for my goddaughter, so she's got all the papers when she's old enough. Yeah, but I'm doing that. So listen, I two heads are better than one, fam. (laughs) Um, Two two, two incomes are better than one. But yeah, no. Okay, thanks. Bye, guys. (laughs) Bye, Bye, guys. See you in Clubhouse. Bye. 